0: Nick and Matt show the disc golf podcast you've been looking for. Wow, Nick, it has been too long, and when I say too long, I mean it's been like two weeks since we did the show last. Does it doesn't it feel literally like forever after you've done five months of every week?
1: Yeah, it's a little awkward because like some of the times we've done two episodes in one week when we've had to do like pre-recorded ones, we do one on like a Tuesday and then a Thursday. So yeah, taking Taking a week off was kind of cool, but like kind of weird at the same
0: time. Cause we both, we, we got busy lives. So, yeah, well, so I'll just kind of spill what happened to me. I got a call to go down to West Virginia and on my way to the job site and I'm coming from Massachusetts, I get a call that one of the cement trucks on our job site rolled down a hill. Now the individual did not get fatally injured, Yeah, but in the safety world, uh, I'll just tell you, I can't tell you too much actually, but he, he's going to be okay, but it was very significant incident. And, uh. Anyways, that just took up so much of my time and traveling and being investigations and all that stuff. And you were just you've been working crazy, too. So,
1: yeah, crazy hours lately. Got a job site that's going on in the North Shore, just north of Boston, pretty much. So my drive every morning is over an hour and a half from one destination to the actual job site itself. And so when you got to be on the job for seven o'clock, three forty five in the morning rolls around real quick when you're waking up every day. (laughs) So. So, so,
0: Nick, what happened while we were away uh, is jomez hit two hundred fifty thousand subscribers? It it's probably because people that were watching our show that week just went over there exactly and subscribed. They said Nick and Matt aren't on this week, but <laughs> <laughs> they hit two hundred fifty thousand subscribers, which is that's the largest following on YouTube specifically for, for disc golf.
1: Yeah, for a strictly disc golf channel.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously you have Brody, but that was not strictly disc golf.
1: No, he's got other things that go on with, you know, he kind of started out with the ultimate Frisbee, the trick shots, and then the golfing and now disc golfing. But yeah, Joe managed to strictly just do disc golf related stuff since the beginning to 250,000 subscribers. Dang, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, so that is what's happened again. Um, and then how about this, Nick? Locally, or I should say locally, regionally, New England and portions of New York. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's really the addition. Team Challenge. Now, I think we're actually going to do like a full show. Or not a full show. Oh, we a, can do a, a good segment, segment, segment on yeah. On what New England Team Challenge is all about. Mm-hmm. It's really cool just to tease it out there. Teams of, uh, on average, 16 guys, yeah. eight, two girls or whatever, in that range, yep. everyone has a home course and they have a schedule and divisions and pools and you move up and championships mm-hmm. and you were on, were you on a winning team one of these years in the A pool?
1: We haven't won the championship yet in the A pool. The A pool being a top like level that. pool. But um, this year, actually, the team that I was playing for, Team Buff, we were 6-0 and with one regular season match left, which, you know, I can confidently say more than likely we were you know, gonna win that one, but um, so to try to go seven and zero going into the finals, and then um, COVID obviously happened, and unfortunately, well, we couldn't really finish out our yeah. season the way we wanted to.
0: Yeah. But and speaking of COVID, this year startup every state is kind of not every state, but states are kind of doing yeah. it internally mm-hmm. as opposed to traveling. So it is different this year, but yeah, we're so still now, enjoying it. it now has, we're doing
1: a Massachusetts team challenge.
0: We just won. My team just won our first match and we won every single yeah. match. We never, Except we didn't lose one. one. No, we didn't even oh. lose it. It was a tie. It was a push, so it was oh, half okay. a point. Gotcha. I was going to say, you guys won and like that guy, 42 two and a half. a yeah. half. Yeah, and that guy's kicked off our team. No, no I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I would have. <laughs> so anyways, let's Had just... Playing, the topics tonight. The topics tonight. Special guest, Haley King, um, Disc Golf Rich, won an amazing championship. Some are declaring that should become a major... Um, and we're speaking of majors, Nick, we're also going to talk about, because we took off last week, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the USDGC recap. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about the Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship recap. Um, Players of the year, maybe, or our honorable mentions mm-hmm. of who we think, or just our opinions on that. We are going to play Judge That Disc Golfer tonight, and I'm going to kind of leave that a secret right yeah. now. No, we'll tease it out.
1: Oh, it's going to be a fun little twist to it. We'll yeah, just a little twist. That. Stick little around twist.
0: for that if you'd like to participate yeah. in that. And then... We're gonna intro with a segment with Haley with the would you rather question. Mm-hmm. So really, let's just let's
2: remind right people. In.
0: Well, let's just remind people real oh, quick. Okay. 3K giveaway. Mm-hmm. We already did the 2K. Yep. And if you're listening out there, that is shipping. <laughs> that yeah. is shipping. Finally got the discs into the bag. Uh Nick, what what disc went in that bag? Uh there's discs?
1: a proto-Zeus, one of the Paul Macbeth stamp Zeus's, and then uh a big Z vulture, a nice orange one. Okay. Pretty sweet. So.
0: Awesome. So um That is what's in that bag, but we are doing a 3K giveaway. All you have to do is subscribe, Mm -hmm. and um, realistically, once we hit $3,000, we will give it away to almost anybody who's going to comment on our video. We'll talk about how that works. And can I just do this last little tease? Literally, we don't want to keep Haley in this green room or her car for too long, but um, the the $20 giveaway to Marshall Street, all you have to do is review on iTunes, screenshot it, tag us in an Instagram post.
1: Is it still up in the it's air? It's still
0: up in the air. That was a $20 giveaway Jeez. that was still there I'm, last week. I'm
1: about to go review our own show.
0: Yeah, you could do that. So, this will be the week everybody does it. But, <laughs> anyways, it is still there. Free money. Uh, Rocky took it home uh, two weeks two ago. Weeks ago yeah. And it, I think he's got something he likes. So, anyways, do that. All right. Without further ado, let's bring her into the room. Uh, officially, I want to make sure we've got our audio set. So, here we go. Haley. Uh, tell us, where are you right now?
2: I am somewhere in Arizona. sat <laughs> nice. at a random gas station.
0: Somewhere Jason. in Arizona. Um, Do you have the air conditioning on?
2: Yeah, it's like 80 degrees out. Oh, my <laughs> yeah.
1: gosh. That's okay. awesome. I wish it was 80 degrees still here.
2: Okay,
0: so to make this a little bit, yeah, 80 degrees. It's like snowing in portions of the country, and she's in Arizona. So um, you've been driving uh, a majority of the day, is that correct? yeah okay so what what is about the longest time that you would ever go driving before you're like i've had enough is there a limit
2: um i think i'm at like 27 right now with a four-hour nap wow
0: Nick, have you ever done 27 hours with only four hours of rest?
1: I did. I'm going to brag really quick. (laughs) Humble brag. I actually did 27 hours from Florida to Mass with a uh, one hour stop. And that was only because my tire blew in Savannah, Georgia, and they switched all my tires within an hour. And then my cousin and I drove straight up. He did. He did about 45 minutes of driving. I did the rest of it.
0: Wow, I think maybe I'll seventeen never, for I'll me, and that was again. yeah. I did maybe seventeen hours overnight once, and that was just to see my newly engaged fiance. It was really awesome. Or no, actually, we weren't engaged. It was prior to, but it was like I had just said, "Now everyone go ah." I had just said like, "I love you" the first time, and then I drove like seventeen hours to go see her. So she, she can verify. <laughs> okay, so Haley, nice. let's let's get right into this here. Would you rather? And we're all gonna answer this. Would you rather be forced to dance every time you heard music? Or be forced to sing along to any song you ever heard. So we'll, yeah. What do you think, Haley? Dance. Okay. So every time the music comes on, you're going to dance. Some dance. (laughs)
2: I'd rather dance, yeah.
0: Can you tell us what that dance might look like? Would it be like a shimmy or would it be like full blown, like
1: one of the Fortnite ones?
2: Yeah. Some from Fortnite. Yeah.
0: All right, so Nick, what would, what, what would you do? Uh,
1: well, I can dance, and I definitely cannot sing, but I would much rather sing than dance.
0: So every time? And every time I heard a song that
1: I heard, I pretty much do that anyways. If I hear a song <laughs> that I know, I'm singing it.
0: And for me, I think it's going to be, I'd rather be forced to sing it, although I think you could be a little bit more discreet. I feel like you could be more discreet dancing. I know it sounds funny, but you can just get the little like, just the li- just a little like foot stomp <laughs> always just feeling it you know all right so haley that was good awesome uh would you rather live in a cave or live in a treehouse 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 yeah do you want to elaborate on why that might have been your choice over a cave
2: um uh, better views <laughs> hopefully <laughs>
1: That makes
0: sense. Where where do you imagine this treehouse being? Like in the woods or like on an island or like what?
2: Like in the Amazon rainforest on the tallest tree.
0: That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: what's that Swiss Okay. I'm gonna date myself now. I'm I'm like one generation, Nick's another, and Haley's like another. Wait, what's the age difference between you and Haley, Nick?
1: I'm 26.
0: Okay. So seven years. Is that right? Seven years. <laughs> so yeah. the reason yeah. I go with that, Swiss Family Robinson was like one of my favorites growing up because they had a tree house, like a massive, like they could live in it. It was awesome. So uh Nick, what would you choose?
1: Uh I'd probably go Treehouse. Definitely not in the Amazon though, <laughs> just because did you ever see uh like Tarzan Definitely. when the cheetah goes up and kills the family? Yeah, I'd rather not have that happen. So <laughs> give me a tree house somewhere in Virginia and I'm content. That's where I'd like
0: to. Yeah, be. I guess I'm going treehouse uh, as oh, well. Cave would be kind of. Cool. Caves are cool, climate controlled, all yeah. every year, all the time. Um, and did you what hear? Do? Like, I think it was in Maine. Maybe there was like a disc golf course with like treehouse venue. Anyways, I want to go. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Let's get on to question number three. Would you rather be forced to eat only spicy food or incredibly bland food? So like no taste or extremely hot. Which would you rather be forced to uh eat spicy really, like
2: spicy. yeah,
0: okay, um, are you somebody who like you like spicy food?
2: I don't know what spicy food, but like if there's a spicy option, I'm gonna try it awesome, Jason.
0: Okay, Nick, I'm going to jump out of order here, and I'm going to give my answer. I grew up with a mom who would like sneak the hottest of hot sauce like, on my hamburger when I wasn't looking, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I loved it. I was like, what am I eating? My yeah. mouth is melting. But like um, – You love it. I did like it. So I, I'm going to go with – it's hard, though, because we're talking being forced. Like, We're not talking like I want to enjoy this. It's like being forced. So like, if I'm being forced, I'm probably actually going to go bland. Like the force. I want to enjoy it when I have the spicy. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, what do you got?
1: I don't know. Bland would be like okay, no flavor or anything like that. But I don't really care for spicy food, so it's kind of like a lose lose for me. But I'll probably go bland, just because if I'm it like if it's incredibly hot, then it's just the most unenjoyable thing. At least with bland, you can bear to eat it. You know, it sucks. But
0: <laughs> okay, and final. Would you rather? Before we get into the real cool stuff. Would you rather, this is fun. Would you rather be the best in the world at climbing trees? There's another tree question. Or the best in the world at jumping rope?
2: (laughs) Uh, Climbing trees. You can get every Frisbee you get stuck.
1: That's a real good point.
0: just just imagine this what does that look like Haley explain to us what being the best tree climber in the world looks like like what is that what is that how do they judge that and what might be some of the things they judge there
2: uh speed I don't know yeah okay
0: Uh, they'd get a 10 for speed
2: yeah and then like if they miss a step they get points off or something
1: but they got, they got <laughs> finesse. They yeah. don't miss a step. If you're the best in the world, you're no, not, but you're she, not missing. We, no, a step. but we asked her what right. they would yeah. be judged on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <clears throat> yeah. So the perfect ones wouldn't miss a step. But yes, that's another judge. I think speed, but how high they can go. Well, that's part of speed, but like how high they could go actually interesting mm-hmm. so nick what would you choose uh best jump roper or climbing the tree I don't, I don't know the benefit
1: of being the best jump roper in the world so i definitely am gonna go with climbing trees like what is so cool about jump roping that you could brag about
0: wait a second that's like and i'm gonna get hot fire for this but like what's so cool about throwing a frisbee and hitting it into a basket i mean <laughs> it's like like what does jump roping have over is there golf?
1: is there a professional jump roping association yes there is What do they do?
0: And surprisingly, I did not get this question because of this. But if you look it up on YouTube, look up like competition uh, jump rope. And it's a thing. The best in the world is from Brazil. I watched her just like two nights ago on YouTube. Incredible. Gotcha. I'll
1: have to check it out now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Anyway, I think you would just get a lot of fans just like you do with anything else if you're the best in the world. Okay, so Haley, that was our would you rather. And can I just say people have been all over like I, I say all over a small minority of people have been all over like Facebook and social media being like, wow, Haley's really animated and she's really excited about everything. And I'm like, we'll get her to talk. So thank you for sharing your opinion on that stuff. And I expect to see you climbing trees and getting discs. Okay. So
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: see, there you go. Yeah. She's a a woman what? of few words. She says, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: All right. Well, let's get to know Haley. All right. How go ahead, that, man. Ask okay. a question. All right, Haley, can you tell us, when and how you were introduced to disc golf and what is it about the sport that keeps you coming back for more?
2: Um so one day after work my dad's coworker took all of us out and I think I was 13. Um it just became a little family deal. We were always pretty active growing up, so we did a lot of hiking and then sports. So disc golf was perfect. You we were just hiking in the woods and then throwing a frisbee, so we to like it really quick and then
0: um so what is it about the sport like you obviously you enjoy okay. it but like what is it about the sport that keeps you coming back to the point where this year you want to you you were contending in a lot but you won a lot but like what is it that brings you back like what is it about the sport that you have come to love
2: uh i think disc golf just It's done so much for my life. Like, I feel like it's helped me through a lot of things. So I just don't think I could ever quit disc golf um, just for that reason. But I'm very competitive. And I like disc golf because it's a one-on-one sport. So it's the best competitiveness you can get. And I I like to win at things. So... You know, got to keep coming back Uh, to
0: try to get a win. Yeah, liking to win. I'm in that same boat, although in disc golf, I don't know why I keep playing if that's what I like to do is win. But can you touch on just a little bit? Because I think a lot of people would relate to this. Now, you don't have to get as detailed as you you might think, you know, some people want. But like in general, you said it's helped you with things in life. Uh, What kinds of things would you be talking about there? I think there's a lot of people. We had Eagle on the show mentioned similar things. What is it for you that it's helped you with?
2: I feel like, um, it helped my like mental health because if you think about disc golf, there's a lot about it than just playing the game. It's a whole, it's a mind game. So you have to have a strong, strong mind in order to do well at it. Right. Um, also I met a lot of really good people throughout disc golf, like my first year touring, um, those people have impacted my life and continue to impact my life. But Really, disc golf just made me grow up pretty quick, and it sort of taught me how to deal with people and talk with people better and just be a more positive person, I guess.
1: It's definitely crazy seeing a lot of the younger touring players right now coming from different backgrounds, obviously, and like you were, I think, last year still completing different parts of school. You went into strictly online schooling. And then I think probably one of my favorite stories about this year, and Hannah had actually tweeted about it, where she was like, look, Haley King didn't even know if the season was going to keep going once COVID hit after Waco, so she went and got a part-time job. And then the season finally kicks back into high gear, and she goes and wins arguably the biggest event at the end of the year. So kind of cool different backgrounds from everyone. But yeah, the maturity level and kind of like the growing upness. That you had to do to sustain a full time touring life is insane for anyone at any age, honestly, at this point, but especially being at a young age.
0: Nick, you, you've been playing disc golf for a while and yeah, it's since before you were 19, you were. 17 yeah, I, or 18. I was just
1: about 17 or 18. <laughs> really so when I started playing, can
0: you imagine at your age doing what she did? No, okay. Gosh, no. <laughs> so there's... I
1: can't even imagine at 26 doing what she does. So Haley, can
0: we can we interview you again, whether you stick with disc golf or not? Can we inter- interview you in like 10 years and ask like what the situation was like in hindsight? Because that would be awesome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, um, so obviously you. When did you graduate school? Like, when was that? Uh, this year this year okay
2: Definitely.
0: yeah wow a lot going on in one year so do your friends at school you probably get asked this question a fair amount do your friends at school like very familiar with disc golf are they familiar with what you do with disc
2: golf um so honestly I left high school I think freshman year to do online school so I kind of just cut those people off and okay found my own crowd in the disc golf but Like my teachers and stuff, they're always texting me and emailing me about my tournaments and stuff And they saw the uh, Pro Tour thing. And I think they wrote something to the news and stuff. So they want to get me like featured in our news.
1: You're about to be like the local hero.
0: She is the local hero. Well,
1: yeah, she is the (laughs) local hero, but...
2: So I
0: looked it up. I looked up your town and I forget the name of it, but I looked it up and you're like, I think you're second highest rated in your town. But like in the whole state, I looked it up. There's like 3,900 players or something like that. And you're, and it's like, you'll say, well, that's not that impressive, but you're like in the top 100 highest rated in the whole state. That's including all men and women over 3,900 players. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about your rating, actually, just out of curiosity. I I don't know if you realize this. you probably do. It's your game over the last 13 events. uh, Since round two of Leadstone, round one, didn't go your way, but since round two, you averaged 982. That was your average, 982. Um, what do you think? Because it feels significantly better than the prior... Uh, I'm stuttering here. It seems simply better than the first part of the year, which I know had a whole bunch of other stuff in it. But, like, what do you think changed after round two of Ledgestone that really, it seems like it propelled you all the way through to the Disc Golf Pro Tour? What changed?
2: Um... Well, I put a lot of time that during the COVID off season after Waco. I put a lot of time in on the course and on the basket. So I think that was definitely the main contribution to it. Whatever. Contribution. Um contribution. There we go. You, you, and me both.
0: you and me both stuttering <laughs> over words. Wow. Okay, so keep going.
2: Um, so I think that definitely was the biggest impact. Um uh, I also think that I had just a mentality shift during that time uh i met up with some friends some actual actually high school friends and we had some good talks and figured some stuff out so i was able to get a clear mind and then i somehow just translated it into the rest of the year
1: Very somehow nice. <laughs> yeah right yeah she just flipped a switch and all of a sudden just insanely good um you arguably to me, have, for FPO players, 100%, have the smoothest forehand, and then your backhand is incredibly smooth as well. And I know, because we've talked, obviously, for months now, you've kind of changed up the way your form is. You've found little tweaks in it. you found parts of your form through the two different off-seasons that you have need to correct. You know, you're one of the furthest throwers as well for the FPO field. What kind of elevated that part of your game? What do you you mean? Like, what kind of elevated the way that your form is and how far you throw your distance and everything like that? Like, do you feel like you're one of the competitors, like top competitors in distance for the FPO field?
2: Well, I think for in this country, yes, Mm -hmm. for distance and stuff. But I think once you go to the Finnish and the Europeans, they, I think they top me out still for distance and stuff.
1: Maybe someone like Evelina. I don't really know. Yeah, how, I mean, like
2: and Henna, they throw far.
1: Hena, I, yeah, see, I haven't really seen Henna play too much, so I don't really know her distance. But
2: she can throw back three, like almost 400 feet.
1: Really? That's
2: insane. I swear. Yeah. Yeah. You're still,
1: you're still beating her on the putting green, though.
0: <laughs> I saw her out at Las Vegas Challenge, and actually, I was filming the lead card, which unfortunately I didn't get to film you that tournament, but I did see you behind us making some moves, but like, yeah, Evelina and, uh, Hannah throw extremely far, but I think you can keep up. So what is the strongest part of your game then that if distance at extra 30 or 40 feet or whatever it is, isn't your strongest part, what is your strongest part?
2: Putting. Yeah. Okay. I'm really confident with my putting
0: and, I think for somebody to say putting is the strongest part means they are confident about putting. (laughs) And that is, do you think is that in your experience? So let me just put it out there. I'm your friend. I'm not here to, to like make you look bad, but the disc golf pro tour championship putting championship they did in the off season. I felt extremely like I felt through the camera your frustration in that I, whatever round was the last one you made it to when it wasn't going your way what do you think there was your confidence shooken or is it just like it was just one of those times
2: uh it was just really windy and i just wasn't really in the correct mindset to be playing that inventational thing yeah, yeah. So
0: that's kind of, and again, I don't mean to bring up negative things, but that's kind of where you were talking about.
2: All
0: right. So it kind of was getting a little stuttery there, but you're back. So, so like, I didn't mean to bring up the negative thing there, but, but my point is something did change. And that's what you talked about. You were able to talk with people. You were able to get your confidence back. It was propelling you all the way to the disc golf pro tour championship. What were your expectations going into that event? Did you have expectations?
2: Yeah, I, I, I didn't have any expectations based upon where I wanted to finish um, because I was already in the semifinals. Uh, I just wanted to be confident the entire time, no matter what shot I was throwing, I wanted to be confident in it Mm -hmm. and I was able to make the right decisions and I was confident in every single shot. So I was, that was my main focus going into this tournament.
0: Hmm. So I'm asking all the questions tonight because no, Nick, Nick knows a lot about you. But here's, a, here's another question. Yeah. And you might know about this, Nick, but I want to hear it from Haley. It, it was really cool. And I've seen players do this. And you are no exception. You did this at the end. They said any shout outs. And you said, like, that was for you, dad. Um, do you want to tell us, like, what that what that means to you there where that shout out was for your dad? Like, what, is, what does family mean to you when it comes to disc golf? You're on the road a lot. What does your family mean to you? Actually, I know you're visiting your sister too, but what does family mean to you and how does that help you out on the course?
2: Uh, Family's the most important thing to me. Uh, I'm always calling my sister. We call like five times a day on FaceTime for like hours at a time. Um, And my dad, he's always been, he's always been like my closest person, my favorite person in this entire world. So um, him just being able to, I guess, not live through me through disc golf, but being able to see me chase my dreams is his biggest goal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, family's just, yeah. yeah, I love my family.
1: So were you, did you, did your dad call you or did you call him right after the end of the DGPT finale? Who, which, because I'm sure he was watching it live, right?
2: Yeah, so he actually told me. So normally I text my dad, like during the round, I just t- and he said that i couldn't text him that entire round because he wanted to watch it and he didn't want any spoilers so it is but by the time i got off the i called him and then they just saw that like i made that putt so they answered the phone and they all just screamed.
1: what what was the distance on that putt because video distances is always kind of funky but to me that looked like a 25 30 footer
0: was it about that all right, her video froze up oh, just a little bit. So until she comes back, I'm going to tell you, I think it was about five feet inside the circle, is my opinion.
2: Yeah, it was probably, yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, it felt like it was like 20.
1: It felt like it was what? <laughs> it
2: felt like it was
1: a 20 footer. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's nice. Imagine that putting a 30 footer and having to feel like yeah, a 20.
2: Like,
0: <laughs> I can't, I cannot remember. So I, I really don't
2: know how far it was. Yeah.
0: And, and Haley, you knew that was for the win, right?
2: I, yes, but no. <laughs> like I had a feeling it was, but I wasn't paying attention. Gotcha. Was trying to get it.
0: Back. Okay, so I'm kind of catching that, and I'm sure our audience is a little bit. It was, she yeah. said yes, but no. She wasn't really paying full attention to like what the actual details were. Um. So. <sighs> Can you tell us, I, I saw some of your comments or your interviews recently before our show because we're Thursdays and everyone else is earlier in the week. You mentioned like maybe you were in shock a little bit. Um, was your heart pounding though? Like when you were going to make that putt?
2: No, I was completely nervous. I mean, I wasn't nervous at all. I was completely calm. Um, the entire tournament, I was super calm. Like I wasn't. I never felt my heart pumping at all. It was just like, I was just out there throwing Frisbees.
0: Can I ask what then in this world gets your heart beating? Like, is it a scary movie or like, is there times where that is? Or you just, you've recognized in your life that like you're able to just maintain consistent calmness.
2: I feel like I'm just pretty good at staying calm. Mm -hmm. Like scary movies don't really get me. It has to be a really scary movie. Okay.
1: It's funny. (laughs) Yeah. I totally understand that. Do you feel like, Because you and Paige competed, you battled it out at GMC pretty much until the last hole. Do you feel like there was kind of like a little revenge on you know beating her now at the DGPT finale in a playoff when she got you at GMC? Was there any of that kind of mentality to it? Or were you just there to beat the field? Did it matter who you were in a playoff against, you were just there to win? I was,
2: yeah, I was just there to win. Um, I knew that coming down onto it on 18, that two tournaments this year, I gave away the win on whole 16. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing is just don't give it away this time.
1: Yeah. Don't don't give it away. Yeah. I think this is a question that everyone kind of wants to know, but $20,000 is an insane amount of money. It really is for anyone. And to win that in a disc golf tournament is obviously unheard of until this last tournament that we had for the MPO player and the FPO player winners, what it, what did it mean winning twenty thousand dollars? Is that like how does that benefit to your touring lifestyles or any big changes that you're gonna make right now or?
2: Um, it definitely changes my whole schedule and everything revolved around disc golf. Uh I now I'm like secure. I have money. I can do this next year and I'll have no, problem. um, I, I'm going to be saving my money. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't
0: know. so th- I think that's true. And I think to give us any more details is kind of just intrusive on you, but I think yeah. it, it would be, it would be, yeah, it's going to be life-changing for any touring disc mm-hmm. golfer because to win that much at one event. And I saw a post, I think it was the disc golf pro tour posted. Like you more than doubled your career earnings in one event. So that's obviously significant. Um, yeah, I'm having a brain freeze, Nick, but I had, I had a follow up oh. question here. Um,
1: oh, I, I got a question. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. What are, kind of like main goals for next year, anything like that? Like, are you going to start touring right in Vegas for the start of the pro tour season? Is that kind of full tour yeah. and everything like that for you?
2: Yeah. I want to hit all of the pro tours. Um, and I want to hit most of the national tours, and I, I want to win some more events next year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think sure. I can do it, so, yeah. Absolutely.
0: And th- I remember what it was. Now, someone made a comment live, and they said, like, you and Calvin Heinberg should have a podcast talk show just because of your even-keel nature. You w- nothing seems to get you that excited. Um, before you go, and I know you're sitting on the side of the road, and you've got, what is it, nine hours left or something? So, uh, yeah, yeah, something a lot. a lot of my a lot of yeah. hours left. Um, Is there anything else besides disc golf? That if you didn't have disc golf, you'd probably be doing.
2: Uh, I'd probably be playing soccer. <laughs> OK, nice.
0: Is that something you did in high school as a part at the same time as disc golf for a while?
2: I couldn't do it in high school, but I did do it in middle school and before that.
0: Awesome. So sports are really your thing. Yeah. Totally. cool. That's awesome. Totally cool. So I think we're not going to keep you much longer as much as the people would love to keep hearing more and more about you. And I don't see any questions that come in uh, that uh, I don't want to diss anybody here, but that are worth asking right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> or, I, or I miss or I miss the good ones we're definitely going
1: to have Haley come on the show again soon on a time where she might be able to spend a little bit more time maybe during the off season kind of figure out what's going on you're yep. heading out to California again to yep. spend the off season out there um, I kind of do this for all of our guests I want to give you a 30 seconds to a minute little shameless plug go ahead where can everyone find you on the social medias and where is the best you know place to support you you know where can we get the hailstorm hats the discs anything like that where can the people find you
2: so my Instagram is KingHaley33 my Facebook is just Haley King I don't use anything else um I have these hats available I have them in I think four colors uh I'm waiting I have them all with me and I will be shipping them all so uh I will be making a post later on my social medias when I'm ready to ship those when I'm all settled down. But right now I have, I think all my stalkers are out of stock at Discraft and then I might have some forces left on the Gibson industry, but everything else is pretty much sold out.
1: But like normal pro shops, if someone's to go and buy a Tor Series stocker, that does help support you, right?
2: Yeah. All right. Yeah.
1: So at your Discraft retailers, people go check out the Haley King Tor Series stockers. Um, you want to describe that disc really quick, just so everyone can know kind of how it is?
2: It's a seven-speed and it's beaded, but it flies like a longer buzz.
1: So it's buzz being difficult. buzz being the best disc in the game. Now just add a longer version for it, and you can't go wrong with it. So, all
0: right, we've got two Discraft sponsored players here. I need to jump in. Not no, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I actually throw a mixed bag, and I do have a good number of Discraft in my bag. Uh, I agree, although the buzz, Nick knows it. It's just not mine. I throw the comet. I love the comet. Yeah. That's my thing. So.
1: All right, my bus kind of person. <clears throat> Haley, we appreciate you a ton for coming on the show. Um, it was great mm-hmm. to see you throughout the year. Glad you could come up to MVP, GMC, and all that jazz, and uh, drive very safely to your destination. Let us know when you get there so we can tell the audience <laughs> that you're there safe, and uh, we'll talk to you can soon. We,
0: can we have you in studio when you're back here for MVP? Yeah, sure. Alright, awesome. <laughs> Alright, good. Have a great drive, and um, stay safe. Thanks.
2: All right. Thank you guys. All right. Bye. Haley. Bye. Right, Bye.
0: <laughs> so Nick, what stands out to you in that interview? Like to me, it's it, someone already hit on it. Like there's something that she embodies as a player that I don't want to compare it to Calvin because we can compare Calvin to her, but like that portion of the mental game, do you have that? Like she said she, her heart was not beating on that last putt. It's pretty crazy, For twenty thousand dollars, or ten thousand dollars.
1: No, for twenty thousand. Yeah, but oh yeah, for a ten thousand dollar putt. Yeah, yeah. But that's a ten thousand dollar putt. That's freaking insane. (laughs) Have you
0: ever taken a putt for ten grand? No, no, I
1: definitely have. So, so So, That's crazy. I I think that's kind of like the coolest thing that I could take away from this quick little segment with her was she's just kind of like super cool, calm, collective when it comes to competing. And there are so many people. It's you know we've had multiple guests come on the show and say, "Hey, if you're not getting that like jittery fire." You know, you don't love the game but like Haley, Haley clearly loves the game and she has found a way to just mentally be so, you know, calm throughout the whole thing, which I think is insane because a couple of weeks ago in a tournament in New York, I was in a playoff and I remember when I was taking that putt on the second hole of it, you know, it was a 30 footer uphill and my body was shaking like I had adrenaline pumping. It's very few times you get into an area like that and especially you know, a putt that would have been one of my biggest wins so far. And she did that putt for the Pro Tour Finale Championship. Like, that's insane to just drill a 25. No big deal. Yeah, no big deal. 25 foot or dead center. And, and what
0: then, did it feel like? What? It felt like 20 feet.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's How many people could you go up to in the disc golf world and say, hey, you know, female or male, what's the best part of your game? 99% of the people are going to say, oh, my drives are my upshots, my backhand, my forehand. Haley says her putting yeah and to me that's so beyond impressive because I think a majority of disc golfers if you ask them what's the best part or what's the worst part of your game they're gonna say oh my putting's definitely the worst part
0: so I agree we're that was totally cool and can I just brag a little bit and and I I think it's mainly thanks to you Nick as being her friend but she but honestly and Haley I mean this in all the the best ways like I feel like she was her personality was shining through on this show more yeah. than I've seen it anywhere else.
1: Haley's just chill. Okay. You know, she's very quiet. If you get her in the right conversation, she'll go ballistic with it, but she's just very like very chill.
0: Professional tree climber or no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> World's best tree climber. So, okay, yeah. Nick, we are going to do something that we haven't done before, and I think we're competing if if not right now, we're competing with the uh presidential I think it's a debate tonight, isn't it? So I don't know. I don't, I don't know <laughs> so, at this point. We <laughs> promise see not if we to can... bring politics in this No, podcast. but I'm hoping they come to us. <laughs> if, they're, if they're turning themselves yeah. away from that, come <laughs> to us. So we're going to talk yeah. about and debate other things. So we're actually going to do something we've never done before. This is the first time for this. So if I've caught your attention, please stick around right now. We're going to actually jump in and play judge that disc golfer. But we are going to do this with our live audience tonight. And the way this works, Nick, I will be their voice. I apologize for that. <laughs> but I, I will be their voice, and I'm not going to do my, like, okay. We, right. Yeah,
1: not, not the regular one.
0: No, but I'm going to be their voice. And how it's going to work is the first live comment that comes through with an answer that I see, because I can't tell everybody, like, oh, I'm going to see the right order. But the first one that comes through that I see will be the answer for judges that disc golfer and they are going against you as a live audience
1: so i'm going to, yeah i'm going against the live audience whoever's <laughs> answer we see first for the question that's who exactly right.
0: exactly and so nick there is the potential can here beat the
1: thousands of people
0: yeah and there's the <laughs> poten- there's the potential here nick that you have to buy like 130 yeah. 140 so right
1: now 140 yeah uh, jeff would be youtube or facebook whoever comments first yeah we see both yeah we, we see yeah <clears throat>
0: We see everything. Yeah. So okay, there will be both. And um I
1: actually I get to meet Jeff tomorrow.
0: <laughs> awesome. You've never met him? No. Okay.
1: I don't think I have. Hopefully. I and haven't, guess who I I'd feel bad. <laughs> guess who
0: I get to meet on Saturday? <laughs> who? Kent. Oh you really? Kent? Oh, that's right. Is yeah. he even in
1: here tonight? Yeah. I saw he commented. Yeah, he All right. the Facebook comment. So right.
0: one of our fans, uh, from a different state is traveling to play Maple Hill and they hit us up. And uh I've got a tea time. So that should be pretty fun as well. Totally cool. Um All right. So here we go. I'm hoping everyone does really
1: bad tonight so uh, I don't have to spend a ton of money on lunches.
0: (laughs) All right, Nick. Here comes Judge That Disc Golfer. Judge That Disc Golfer. The game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. Hey man, my name is Matt and what's your name? Christian. Christian, welcome to the Nick and Matt show. Tonight's guest, I'm not sure who it is, but my co-host Nick and our guests are going to try and guess your answers. So let's get to know you a little bit. How long have you been playing disc golf for? Since 2006. 2006 so that's if my maths correct about 14 years I've been playing about the same amount of time Uh, what's your PDGA number
3: Uh, six zero six
0: six six okay and you have a PDGA rating, I'm sure Mm -hmm. what is that
3: I believe it's nine eighty six
0: okay Nick you're if you're still the same rating Nick you're about four points better so you're gonna judge him pretty closely Nick (laughs) all right so let's get right to it here actually no before I get right to it I didn't ask you enough Um, you've played in competitions what's your biggest biggest win or best finish at any tournament
3: this year i took a was it a b tier c tier it was a c tier i took pinnacle down this year in new hampshire it was it's pretty good
0: okay what division was that uh pro pro open okay so we've got a pro player here nick um and so let's just get right to it how far can you throw a disc okay nick so here's how it worked. Uh he just finished, so I'm gonna see the first distance yeah. that comes in. Okay, Todd, I see the first, and Nick's obviously seeing these. So Nick, you're gonna have to refrain from looking at the chat. We're gonna let this one slide.
1: <laughs> just look away from it. <laughs> because well, the reality
0: is that's unfair. But it's but it's, so Todd came in. We're gonna go ahead and yeah. take that. You probably already saw it. it is 450 feet, Todd guessed. So he's going first tonight. Yeah. You're gonna go second. And so what do you think um is The answer here over under on 450.
1: I'm kind of pumped because I I know Christian pretty well. We've competed at a ton of events and he's a friend of mine. Oh, so so, so, it's
0: kind of an unfair advantage.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty stoked when I saw him on the screen. I was like, hey, I know that guy. Okay, so Um, how far does he throw? I'm going to feel bad if I get it wrong, though. But I'm (laughs) what did what did I trying to think now? What did Todd say? Did you already say what he said? Yes,
0: we'll do this one, him first. Next yeah. one, you're going first, yeah. but 450 is what Todd said.
1: 450. Okay, so I was going to say 425.
0: Okay, 425. Let's go ahead and get it up here and see if this goes to the audience or goes to Nick.
1: Max
3: distance on flat ground. I'm going to say I'm just cresting over 500, just about 500. Can you oh, give us
0: an exact number?
3: Say 515 if I crank
0: Five hundred and fifteen feet. This goes to our live audience. Nick, four fifty. So you guys, there it's are
1: not, now. I feel bad because, like, I know he crushes. He throws further than I do, and like five fifteen is a long ways. Like
0: he says, if he gets yeah. it,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's not I, as regular. I could, honestly, I I could believe that though. He, he does... throws
0: further than Chris Dickerson.
1: He, did. yeah. <laughs> He did, he does crush it, crush it pretty good. The
0: difference is, though, some people answer how far they can, like, get it in their max, max ever, yeah. best ever. It's and funny, Chris I, Dickerson was like...
1: I look at it like golf like distance. Accurate. Yeah, exactly. Like, what am I throwing on a golf course where I'm like, if the hole is this far, then I can probably park it. You know?
0: Okay, I mean? we've got people saying internet distance. Yeah. Um, They're un- upset. People are upset, Nick, that you know him. It seems like it's cheating. Oh, well,
1: clearly, I'm 0-1 right now, so it's yep. obviously and, not working to my advantage.
0: And, to be fair, I don't, like... I don't screen who we interview so yeah. Nick happens to know them he happens exactly. to know them I did not know that so all right awesome the team I see good job team coming in here we go <laughs> uh question number two 515 feet awesome all right let's get into this next question how many discs are in your bag uh, let you gotta me take go a count peek. right yeah <laughs> All right, he says he's going to take a All peek. Right. Yeah, I'm, so, blo-
1: I'm blocking the chat right now. Yeah, so I can't I'm keeping his any. eyes. I'm I'm making sure he's not cheating. any of the. Uh, All right,
0: Nick, how many discs does he say are in his bag? Nineteen. I'm gonna go with
1: nineteen.
0: Okay, you got 19, more, but and the first 19. answer I saw that came in after the question was read, which, by the way, the chat board is insane yeah. right now, is 22, and let me go scroll up here. It was to John NKY, so John, 22, is what I saw come in. All right, so let's I don't, go ahead. I don't really know his bag, Doc. Not 100%. <laughs> all right, so let's go ahead and see what his answer is. You said 19, they said 22, yeah. so let's figure it out. It's all up to
1: John right now. Is he
3: going to get it right? Here we go the two back so currently i have 20 putters uh 20
0: <laughs> 20 <said> putters
3: <laughs> currently i have 20 discs in my bag all right 20
1: discs that's the answer
0: wow so nick
1: i'm gonna have to take that one i think
0: you just got it very close it. one one disc different i like how he said 20 putters
1: I, yeah <laughs> i almost said 21 too because i was like i feel like there's just gonna be 21 it's weird it's how do you not carry 20 discs? Like I'm at that point where he had
0: four putters. So that was another thing. So that adds right up quickly. So, um, YouTube chat, what's what's winning here. Um, so people are all over Facebook and YouTube. I see everybody. So, um, who, oh yeah.
1: Sully actually YouTube was the quickest. It seems
0: like YouTube was the quickest to get in here. It's insane. I will tell you that the, the, they're coming in crazy. All right. So tied up, tied up. Here we go, Nick, uh, question number trace all right we're gonna jump to something uh here that would be really interesting to find out we gave you 10 putters from circle's edge on the circle's edge so you're not jump putting Mm -hmm. how many of those putters would go in okay hold on hold on i love how you oh i gave the answer (laughs) (laughs) wasn't clicking uh, off on the draw all right so what we're gonna do so i'm gonna say seven matt (laughs) the first answer that i saw come in unfortunately and we're just gonna do it this way was eight. So it's not I, really just, fair to give not, it to you. We're not
1: even going to count. We're not going to count it. Yeah.
0: It was very close. I can't believe it had a heck happened. up. I'm trying to do too much at once, Nick. So here's, it's still tied up, but we now know he hits, he says he'll hit seven out of 10 from circle's edge. All See, right.
1: Very realistic. I love that.
0: Yes. Okay. I apologize, man. Either way, the answer, it, eight was really close. I don't know what you would yeah. have guessed. What would you have guessed? Seven or eight. Honestly, seven, seven or eight. eight. So if yeah. eight came in, you would have said say seven. Nine.
1: Obviously, I don't think anyone's ever going to say ten. Nine is like really pushing it. If Dickerson didn't say nine, then
0: I think you're accurate. If I was yeah. to see how it was played out, I would have saw the eight come in. We're not going to give a point, but then you would have said I'm not going to say nine. You would have yeah, said seven. Yeah, exactly.
1: If if it the probably eight was the the went to one, Nick, I would have said seven. But
0: we're still tied up. Here we go. Um, oh, I just realized we're talking the whole time with a frozen screen up there. Okay, here we go. Seven putts would go in. Okay. So Hole number one, Maple Hill, gold. <laughs> Which pro player is most likely to hit the ace? Hmm. Okay, so hole one, gold at Maple Hill. Which player is most likely to hit the ace? We are going to, is it them, the live audience? Let's,
1: yeah, let's give it to them. Because it should have been them on the last one first. So I'm going to block it. I'm just going to look at. Okay, TV screen.
0: first one that I see that came in, I have it from Max Sheets. I'm not going to say the answer. Well, actually, we do, right? Yeah. yeah. Max Sheets says, Simon. All right, I'm going to go double G. Garrett double G's G. coming in. A lot yeah. of Simons, a lot of double Gs. <laughs> Lunch, Lunch money for Matt. Lunch money <laughs> for Matt. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, so um, let's see what he answers. You said uh, double G. I said double G. The live audience says, Simon. Here we go. Let's find out what happens.
3: Man, I've seen Simon throw really far at Jonesboro one year. I'm going to say Simon. Oh.
0: All right. Mr. Simon Yeah, We love him on this show. We'll probably see him episode number 30. All right, Nick. That is another point for the live audience. Simon getting that hooray to the live audience. Uh By the way, they're about 160 strong right now. Good. Thank you for joining the show. We saw a super chat come in. Thank you, Jeff. Totally appreciate that. Lunch money for me, it says. Or for Matt, me. And um, there's some people are complaining about lag. They're saying this is rigged now. (laughs) All I can tell you is based off of what I see, it must be totally random, but we get it blasting all the answers. Okay, so it is t- it's not tied. Live audience two, Nick one. This is our last question. Should we give the last one to a Facebook comment? Whoever comments first on Facebook. <laughs> we could. Uh, or no. All right. <laughs> just, well, because Facebook can answer just as quick. It comes through on ours. It should be just about the same. Okay, here we go. Final question. All right, let's get into Mm. disc golf tattoos. All right, now, do you have any tattoos? I do. You do? So, okay, do you have any disc golf tattoos? Currently, no. Okay, so if you were to get a disc golf tattoo, I'm going to give you four options. You can either get the individual single basket, you can get a basket with the putter hitting the front rim, you can get the Tasmanian Devil 360 drive. Or you can get a disc golf phrase, maybe something like grip it and rip it or death putt. What would you choose?
1: It's kind of funny how you said that 360 drive. I've never heard anyone say it like that. Yeah, well, well,
0: how are you supposed to say it? 360 drive? Yeah, 360 drive. Yeah, 360 degree drive. 360 um so you gotta you gotta right. raz me or you gotta taz me oh yeah. that was that was yeah, yeah, yeah. A, that was corny yeah. okay. good <laughs> stop <laughs> <laughs> don't even uh it's
1: me first on this one right
0: yeah so what tattoo go, does he go with i'm gonna go with the
1: putter hitting the front rim
0: all right um aaron is the first one that i saw come in um aaron duly said taz so you said front rim yep and they said taz uh, okay. I will say this. I know the answer and I'm going to give a shout out to Facebook because the, the Facebook answer I saw come in is correct. But regardless, is it just a single basket? I just go with
1: the basket. A single
0: basket. Yep. Awesome. So a single basket is what won it. Facebook came in with the right answer, but either way they win Nick, the live audience wins. So let's just finish this out and then we'll uh, talk about that just a little bit more. Just for the fun of it, what is the craziest thing you have ever seen or observed on the disc golf course? Hmm.
3: At GMC, hole 18, someone ripped a huge Anheuser drive that came in and hit someone square in the back while we were hanging out next to 18's basket. That was pretty crazy.
0: All right, Christian. Thanks for coming on the show. Have a great evening. Thanks. So, Nick, how do we break up a lunch between 161 people? I think we take about $10 and we divide that by 161.
1: So everyone gets, what, 16 cents? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like
0: that. All right. With... Everyone send me your Venmo.
1: <laughs> and everyone is getting 16 cents out of my Venmo. Um, now. So <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how I can actually like no. do this,
0: but we could, we could I have people comment it, this week on YouTube yeah, and maybe no. Yeah. Whatever you want to do.
1: Well, I was going to say, if you know, say next year, if I randomly see someone that's in our chat and you're just like, Hey, by the way, you owe me lunch. I'll buy them lunch.
0: Oh, Nick. That's not a bad so idea. It doesn't matter
1: what state you're in. I'm going to tour to a couple different spots next year. But, uh, but <laughs> yeah, Nick doing a grill out. <laughs>
0: Dude, but you just said something. You're going to have to be like, you're only doing it once. So if, if someone comes up to you after you've already done it, you're like, I already did that. Well,
1: I mean, honestly, I, would, Anybody? I wouldn't be opposed. if like
0: Nick, my, our show is huge. If, There's if, millions of people. That if want. I go
1: to Vegas next year, which I plan on going to Vegas, um, and someone who is in our chat says, hey, man, by the way, you owe me lunch. doesn't matter if they're from Vegas <laughs> or not. If they just come up and say, hey, you remember episode 22? Yeah, you owe me lunch for that. I might just be inclined to uh, buy them lunch, buy them.
0: Wow. I don't know. Nick, was this maybe. Was this kind this was that was kind of fun playing with our live audience? Yeah, it was cool.
1: I see, I love the live audience. I love the engagement and everything like that. I will
0: say to those listening post, it might come a little weird, but would you just comment and let us know what you thought of it? It's different. Yeah. We won't do that every time.
1: We had a time crunch with Haley, so we wanted to make sure that I'm sure you, you all wanted to have more conversation and listen to kind of her story through disc golf rather than judge that disc golfer. So it was a game time decision.
0: That's right. She, we wanted to let her get on the road, so we decided to just move along. So awesome. So here is what we're going to do. I already ta- teased out you know the, the segments earlier. We're going to do a US DGC recap. Uh, We're going to do Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship Thoughts. If those interest you, stick around. We're just going to get to those right now. We're going to talk a little bit about players that deserve um, Player of the Year Mm -hmm. and maybe some honorable mentions as well. And then finally, Eagle McMahon threw out uh, a few interesting social posts over the last uh, week or so that we'll talk about. Thank you to the super chat from Green T1D. See you in Virginia. Come play Lake Marshall.
1: I've heard the craziest, like the best things about the Lake Marshall course. So I've been dying to get down there. Um, I think at some point next year when I do make my nice drive down to Virginia, I will happily try to stop there. The thing is, I haven't been able to stop at a lot of courses when I drive down to Virginia and back because I love night driving. So I usually leave seven or eight at night to try to get into Virginia around four or five in the morning. Um, That's always how it's been. But there is a point where I'm going to try to get to Lake Marshall. So if I see you there, I'll buy you lunch green.
0: Awesome. So USDGC recap. I know some people are like, I've already listened to like so many podcasts and I've heard a lot of this. But like
1: because we're what, like two weeks late on it.
0: Yeah, but but here's awesome. the deal. Yeah. We are not just copying what any other show does. So hopefully we bring you new content that you actually enjoy and appreciate. We have people that do comment and say, man, I drive a lot or I love do, do a longer show. All, believe it or not, do a yeah, longer show.
1: Uh, no kidding, right?
0: <laughs> so... Uh, Let's, let's just get, let's just get right into it. So congratulations. And I don't, spoilers are not a thing with this event right now. It's, it's so long past mm-hmm. it. I know the video hasn't rolled out yet, Um, but Chris Dickerson, congratulations to that man. Didn't you right. see a win coming for this guy? A big win. Yeah. So did, but he wasn't your pick because we both no, made picks.
1: He wasn't. He wasn't... Oh, actually
0: he was your pick. Go back and listen did to I it. It was after day one or it was after day two. He said, make your picks. And I said, Eagle. Oh, and, and I said, said Dickerson.
1: Dickerson. Yeah, 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 Not knowing that Calvin was going to come out of nowhere and just completely almost change that. But yeah, because Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Yeah, so two rounds had already passed, and that's when Paul had kind of dropped off. Um, so he was not out of contention completely, but definitely just a little bit more out of contention. So when you were talking about the people who really thought was going to do it, um, yeah, Dickerson became. He's just so methodical on the course where he's very safe, but aggressive at the same time, like his max, or I shouldn't say his distance shots are still very accurate and safe. So he can kind of break down us in a very fun way. And honestly, he would have had four rounds under par by a large amount, had the last day, not been an absolute monsoon. And he had a pretty good lead to where he could make the mistakes that he made, which I think is pretty cool. It's, It's gotta be a nice feeling. And I'm pretty sure James Conrad did the same thing last year too, where they actually shot over par the last round. And it's gotta be kind of a nice feeling where the last round of a major you can shoot over par and still take home the win. Like that's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, he is methodical. And before we get into the Calvin situation, because that is both amazing and heartbreaking at the same time, we'll talk about that a little bit and what I mean by that. But torrential rain, Nick, I know you had the live package. Were you watching during the rain portion of the tournament mm-hmm. have you ever ever seen a uh elite series major or anything else ever played in that much in rain that
1: much rain see it's funny because I, I forgot exactly what i was doing that saturday i think i think i was actually playing a tournament and i was kind of casually watching it I, you know that might have been it but um Video doesn't do it justice on how much rain there actually was. But from the people that I've talked to who were at USCGC, they said it was just disgusting. Nothing was enjoyable about it and everything like that. So, no, I've never seen that much rain on a course before. I've definitely not experienced that much rain.
0: I mean, I've filmed a a pro tour event with it raining, but that made the rain that I filmed in look like literally monsoon. like. It, they had extra people holding umbrellas and do you see like the flooding area of the T pads, mm-hmm. the crew there, by the way, shout out to them at USDGC. There was a, there was a T pad like over flooding like massively mm-hmm. and uh, see people like brooming and shoveling trails out for it. Oh, okay. and, oh yeah. yeah.
1: That's pretty. Um,
0: sweet. I don't think the drone was flying.
1: <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't
0: flying the last <laughs> mm-hmm. day. And, um, but you would see them like, I, I ca- how, if you're live right now, did you enjoy watching that? And I'm not going to lie. I did. I loved seeing the elements. I know some will say it wasn't really fair, but I go everybody in that portion of six holes had like the same. Deal.
1: Yeah. See, I like seeing that because I think it was Innova or the PDGA or someone they had posted and they said, everyone's out here getting bogeys and Calvin Heimberg's eagling, like dropping eagles on hole 10 in a monsoon. And I'm just like, ha, like ha. <laughs> it's, it's insane. Because Calvin just completely went off that round. And until hole 17, it was almost like Calvin's about to be the USDGC champ. Like, it was very close.
0: So, I, I we, we don't care too much about spoilers on this show too much. We're late enough in the week. And in this case, we're far enough out. But here is the part where I'm going to tell you a little bit about the details, but maybe not like how many strokes up and all that. But sure. Calvin was throwing the hole 17. And at that point, yes, he was, what was it, like 11 or 12 I think he was down? One,
1: yeah, he was one or two up on Chris at that point.
0: And um, he throws his shot, OB, on 17. Everyone knows it's the one with the uh, hay bales around the green, the basket precariously mm-hmm. near the edge. And in Calvin fashion, just like we were talking about earlier, he calmly throws another shot onto the green. Yeah. Same shot, like, what's the big deal? I'm just going to do it.
1: Yep.
0: He steps up to that putt, and he's like, what was it, like 40, 35? Probably
1: 35, 40 feet. Now, I was kind of thinking like, okay, he lays it up and he takes a five. Brings it back to even him and Chris are even now. Chris still has to fight through hole 17. I, If he had laid it up, I thought that wouldn't have been a bad decision. But him going for the putt as well, I didn't think that was a bad decision because he's such a filthy good putter. So there's no doubt that he could have made that putt. I mean, he made... No, he missed it right after two. So, he missed it twice in a row, right?
0: So, you're not judging his putt. Like, you're not no. like, man, you shouldn't have done that. No. No,
1: he got the worst roll away that he could have. Like, the worst thing that could have happened, happened. Because he, he nailed the putt in the sense of he was right on line with it. He just shorted it where it hit the front rim, bounced up, landed on edge, and just rolled OB. Like, literally, Slowly. literally the worst thing that could have happened happened and so then he had to go back and put that same and exact what did he spot, do and then he missed that one yeah so no i'm not i'm not judging him on the putt at all because
0: hindsight is 20 he, 20
1: he makes that and there's a potential that he's a uscgc champ you for sure I
0: mean? oh for sure actually i think i can't say hands down but if he finished out like he did with the birdie on 18 and had he hit that putt
1: yeah I think I think he potentially becomes the or champ. At the very or cre- least a yeah, playoff exactly. at the very
0: least. That's how I that's yeah. how I saw it. So I honestly and I'm just putting this out there. Hot take. <laughs> Not really hot take. <laughs> that is the worst. Result for a putt in a major that has ever happened.
1: Definitely one that means something. That's
0: what I mean. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I'm
1: sure people have had awful rollaways in oh, right. majors and stuff like but that. But did it but matter? Something, exactly. This was for a major title. Much, yeah.
0: Worst ever. In fact, if the yeah. history of disc golf, disc golf should continue on for a long time. Mm-hmm. That should be in the archives. Yeah. For worst major yeah. putt results. Someone,
1: someone save it in ten years. Post and be like, has there ever been a worse? Uh, more like bad contention luck
0: for a major championship. Your first ever. Yeah. Um. But what do you
1: what do you think of hole seventeen?
0: Because well, a lot of, pe- a we lot talked of people. We talk about this.
1: Yeah, we did a little bit. So I mean,
0: <sighs> my my thought is, and I'll say it again. It I like the drama that it creates. Yeah. I think that it's not a hard shot, but it, it's, <laughs> so it's the element of, like, the walk to get there, where you stand in the tournament round, yeah, and can you execute it in a pressure situation? Mm-hmm. I don't know that Calvin missed that because of a pressure situation, though. No,
1: I don't think it was that, because I don't, hey, Calvin's, I shouldn't say weird, Calvin's, like, hailing in that sense, where I feel like they just go into this and they're just playing disc golf. They're not thinking of anything else that's going around. They're just—they're play to say they're there to play some dang good disc golf.
0: And and what about um Chris Dickerson? Did you see his shot uh, when he stepped up? He barely—I mean, barely just made it over, right? Barely yeah. just made it over uh, to where it was like had he missed that, it all bets now, were off. Yeah. Because now is he going to hit it again or exactly. not? Like the whole night. He
1: just laid it up, right? <clears throat> He did did like a safe run. Yes, but he he does
0: a backhand. I think it was a backhand. And he kind of turned it over too much Mm -hmm. where it was almost going to be on like a rolling edge. And it just, I mean, just cleared the hay bale.
1: So crazy that Calvin got that awful roll with how much water was on the ground. You would think that it would just kind of hit, roll a little bit, and then it'd be so slow that it would just fall.
0: All right, so that was kind of the recap on USDGC. Um, (laughs) I'll just say it. Paul did not compete to his full potential mm-hmm. at that event. Yeah. Um, I still think he was favored. Um, how could you ever not pick him? Mm-hmm. Ricky obviously played okay, but not to his full potential yep. either. Our top five players, um, a few of them were there. Mm-hmm. Shout out
1: Kyle Klein, young kid, young gunner, making a really good Ooh. run. And, you know, I think he was second place going into the last Man. round. So that's, that's pretty insane. Um, but so, then at the same time that that was going on, The U.S. Women's National Championships was also going on. Shout out Paige Pierce. She ended up taking down the win um, with Katrina Allen in second place. And Katrina had actually made a pretty good run at the end. Yeah. The last round, she was doing really well and just low-key putting a little pressure on Paige. And Paige was making some small, small little mistakes. Like, I think on hole 14 uh, from the FPO pad, they had this slight little downhill hyzer. And a lot of the women do a standstill on it. And, uh, I remember Paige was just short of it and cat was also just short of it. And it was kind of a big moment for cat to where it was like, if I run this putt and I make it, that's a huge momentum swing. Or if I run this putt and go long, it's a hazard. And so now you're taking a four or five, maybe even a six, depending on the roll that's after that cat did the smart thing. She actually just laid it up and cat cat did really well the last round. She definitely did a really good, she put a good push on it and, uh, but shout out to Paige. She definitely she killed it all weekend like usual.
0: Yeah. I did a quick um like I did for uh Haley where I said, Hey, your last 13 events, you averaged uh 982 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I did that for Paige, and guess what she averaged in the last 13 events rounds? Nine ninety-two. Nine ninety-nine point like three. Wow. So like literally the last thirteen rounds have wow. averaged just i mean like literally yeah. sp- split a hair under a thousand that's insane so she what's is what's her performed- rating now do you remember 990 is it 991 or 994 991
1: i think it's 991 right
0: <clears throat> so haley yeah. right now is like nine behind that is haley in the 980s 982 really i didn't even know that Jeez. oh wait yeah yeah
1: I want to look that up
0: now. No, hold on. That's what she. Sorry, that's, that's what, what she, she averaged, averaged yeah. over thirteen. I think she's last still in the mid nine sixties, maybe. Yes, nine sixty-seven. I think. Yeah. Um. But yes, but the point is, and I I see her rating going up because yeah. again, oh, yeah. you look at the last thirteen rounds. That was my yeah. point. She averaged nine eighty-two. Um, and so that's very significant. And then she took down with the same rate. Well, I'm jumping into the next event. I'll hold on to that. Yeah. Well, so, I was
1: gonna I was gonna say really quick. My two favorite battles to watch for the FBO players this year were GMC. Where it was Haley and Page, and then obviously the Pro Tour finale, where it was Haley and Page, and it was just, I mean, Katrina was dominating the last round, and I still haven't watched the post-round production yet, and I didn't get to see everything happen live until the playoff, but I think Cat had taken, taken like an eight on hole seventeen, and I don't really know how that happened yet, like I haven't watched it. But um, you're talking disc
0: golf pro tour. Yeah. All right. We're going to jump to that in just a second. And that is a tease out there. That is uh, we're going to get to that segment. So did anybody does anybody follow Eagle McMahon on social media? And I asked that because he uh, kind of wrote an interesting social post in regards to USDGC. And this is what he said. What if USDGC was in the springtime and the final event of the year was the disc golf pro tour finale? And it was a major. Wow. OK, the disc golf pro tour would still be an invite only event. Now, that'd be interesting. A major that's only an invite. Um, well, that's how
1: that's how USC. That's true. Is for the that's right. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. yeah, that
0: is how it is. Uh, yeah, it is. You have to qualify. Yeah, the disc golf pro tour would still be an invite only event for a slightly larger field and be a normal. This is interesting. A normal four round event, meaning that there are four majors and they are more intermittently scheduled. He said, "Obviously, there are more and many logistics involved. I have no control over. But hey, I'm brainstorming. And I can I say this, Eagle, if by chance you are watching or listening to our show, I can appreciate very much the uh, candor or whatever how you write this up to where you are totally you're wanting to share your opinion, but you're doing it in a way that's very easy to converse and not be attacking. I think it was excellent, um, Nick. What do you think about that in general?"
1: Um. It's so weird because I don't want to think of this as a point where like, oh, I don't like change, so keep USCGC at the end of the year like it's been the whole time. But I do think change is good in disc golf. Um, I would feel kind of weird with a major being too early in the season. I kind of like the beginning of the season is kind of a warm-up for the professionals to where they have a couple big events, some pro tours, some national tours happening. And then more often than not, Uh, worlds or european open is the first major of the year i think i want to say that but it's also it's been a while since we've had a four major year so at the same time it's like if you do have four majors how do you do that do you do june is worlds july because see i would do june or july european open i would do no, see now that's way too but, much. But but here's together.
0: here's kind of the question though. And I saw Greg Barsby commented, I saw Jordan Castro, I saw Joel mm-hmm. Freeman touring players. A lot of them said, Awesome, I love this idea. Um, because majors, a lot of players make that a, a major part of their tour. Yeah. Like major is a major. So mm-hmm. um if it's too close together, it can really cramp the whole touring plan and how yes. it works. So
1: like no, I agree with that. Does so stretching you would have out
0: because to... I think this comes up because the Disc golf pro tour championship. Yeah is like what the next week it's right after. And so does that make sense? I mean, at the very least separating them, should we see a separation? Why
1: why wouldn't that make sense? Why not do that? Two big back-to-back tournaments where it's like, but you know, Chris Dickerson, what one 20 grand pretty
0: much in two weeks.
1: It's pretty (laughs) insane.
0: But don't you think that, um, I do not see USDGC saying, okay, fine, we'll move. Do you see that happening?
1: But why would you, you can't put the, pro tour championships anywhere else because you I know, have to qualify throughout but, the pro tour events throughout the year
0: but where is the benefit besides keeping the players happy which is a very strong one but where is the benefit to innova the owner of usdgc i know we can say that mm-hmm. uh well yeah but they have to coordinate with pdga that's true but they own the title why would they say we're going to take an event that's been running for how long 25 years 30 years 25 yeah it, why are they going to take an event and say okay fine we'll just move it to spring now Like after all these years, like there's going to have to be something significant. Maybe it's the people's voice. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But disc golf pro tour. Exactly. That's an event that's a culmination of an elite series tour. You can't move that earlier in the year, but you could move it back further. But that would also like it. People want their season to be done.
1: It potentially would have been back to back to back had the national tour still been a thing this year. (laughs) With the national tour championships potentially in Delaware.
0: Everybody needs to just get on the same scheduling platform.
1: Well, I think for next year they are. Yeah, next year's tour schedule looks insane. I think it looks very beneficial for the touring disc golfer. Uh, But this is cool. Daniel Willis said tennis, it's January, June, July, and September for their majors. Where would be the best place in the U.S. to play a major in February or March? You know what I mean? Florida. Florida. But at the same time, would tennis technically you can train for tennis indoors.
0: Or like Hawaii. You can't really- have courses out there.
1: <laughs> they do. <laughs> you can't you can't fully train for disc golf indoors. Tennis you can train indoors. So to go out and play a tournament in January in tennis, that's that's doable, I feel like. Because you can find a warm area and you've obviously been in stride the whole time. But I don't know. At the same time, people are commenting Vegas, North Carolina. What courses, or excuse me, Vegas, Arizona, North Carolina, SoCal, what courses are you using for that major? Like, what major is going to happen at those courses? I, I don't know a major championship level course in Arizona. I don't think the Vegas courses are major level championship courses. So, I mean, dude, when I went to Vegas two years ago, or last year, whenever it was, it was like 48 degrees in February. Okay. So I'm all so, set with Sorry, you sorry to cut you off.
0: <laughs> two things. One, Australia. They did have a major before. So Australia, I know that's a lot of 15 and 17. the other thing is we would be remiss not to shout out Chuck Kennedy, the creator of the PDGA rating system, jumped in our comments and he said players would have to qualify in the previous year for USDGC, which wouldn't be based on current performance. But if it is in the spring, it's kind of current performance to how they finished out, um, which I think I I would say that's acceptable but that's just, that's just my opinion. Um, but shout out. Thanks Chuck for being in here. Bermuda. Yeah. I thought Bermuda as well. I love Bermuda. I got to spend three weeks there once. Awesome. Um, let's move on in this USDGC quick topic here real quick. Cause Ulti world, I know they are quote unquote, a competitive podcast platform, but I don't care if you like us better, you like them better. I don't care, but here's the deal. They wrote up a post and it's behind a paywall. So I'm literally taking their clickbait title and it says the Winthrop gold course does not reflect the future of disc golf. We do not need to hold premier events on temporary courses placed on borrowed land. This comes up every year for a reason. Yeah. The property is a problem. Now, that's their clickbait title behind a paywall. I'm not slamming that. Go support them if that's, you know, I think that's a disc golf supporting thing to do. If you'd like to read their, their uh, thing. I'm only using it as a launching platform to have this discussion. Nick, what do you think about that in your own opinion? about the course needs to change.
1: I've said this for a while now with close friends in the disc golf community. Um, I definitely think it needs to change. Um, I think that any course where a company is spending a disgusting amount of money to be able to host a tournament at that course, it needs to change because you're spending money on something that could be going to something different. There are other courses out there where you could have major championship style, tournaments at and to waste it to waste a ton of money on just renting out land for a few weeks you know however long they rent it out
0: do you know what that do you know what that cost any ideas or is it all i want to ballpark this from what i heard it's
1: either wild horse or uscgc when we when they borrow the land from wild horse i heard yes i heard it's i could be totally off a million i heard three hundred thousand Yeah. Yeah, I heard $300,000 it costs to rent out the
0: courses. So you ready for my my take on this? Go for it. That's insane. Yes. So I'm going to say, and I do not know the insides of Innova. My son is a sponsored athlete. I am not. I I don't have to be as careful about what I say. But they make enough money. Mm -hmm. They make enough money at Innova Mm -hmm. where they could, whether it was a business decision or not, they could literally buy property somewhere down the south. It's not as expensive as the north. Yeah. They could buy 40 acres and literally over the next three years, I'm just going to give them three years, yeah. bring in a course designer, whoever, the yeah. best in the world, or they, they can keep it for themselves. Yeah. And why don't they make their own United States Disc Golf Championship course? They can literally create every single hole with a vision in mind. And I honestly don't think that's that crazy of an idea. Paul We've- McBeth, the best player in the world, is like, I'm going to buy property and put a course on it and I'm going to make yeah. it exactly how I want. Why are we still? Is it because of the quote unquote prestigiousness that it's the aura of that venue? Or is it like, is there I, something I, else happening there? I
1: do think that there's an incredible sentimental value to playing the USCGC at Winthrop Golds. You know, there, because there's history with that. But at pretty much all points, history needs to change at a certain point. And Paul and I have talked about that before with a lot of the major companies. And I mean, you can buy land in Virginia, the Carolinas, Georgia, Tennessee, I'm sure all these areas you can buy land for so cheap. I mean, up here in Massachusetts, one acre is like $50,000 right now. It's insane. So but when you go down south and you can get an acre for, uh, let's say, five to ten thousand dollars. Now you're realistically talking where you could build a massive course and then you have it for yourself for years and years. These major companies have the money to be able to do that. It's just the time and effort that gets put into it. I don't know. Is it they, easier, is it easier to just drop $300,000 and rent out a no. course that's already there? I, I don't I, think so. I want to say no. I mean, I'm not I, bashing. I feel like that's a huge waste of money.
0: I'm, no, well, I'm not. Okay. I'm not going so far as to say that spending the money on the course that they're doing right now is a waste of money. I'm not. I think it's a lot of money, but I'm not saying a waste. What I'm saying is they could take, they could afford, in my opinion, to take uh, a, whether they had to do a loan or they have it. And just go ahead and start investing. Invest, invest in their yeah. own property. Yep. Tradition comes up. We're seeing that in the comments. Uh, people think I'm getting really worked up right now. And I'll tell you what, I'm a passionate opinion speaker. <laughs> and um, yeah. I think that here's, I guess my point is, I see tradition and people who know me personally know that Matt's like throw tradition out the door. That's not quite it. Yeah, yeah. I just say, I like tradition, but only if it serves a real purpose. Mm-hmm. And that purpose can be, and I saw somebody write this, it's important for the sport to have a Mm -hmm. tradition, a longstanding tradition. Agreed. I can buy into that. But is it that important where at this point in the history of the sport when now it's literally just like it's starting to blow up, is it now or never in 20 years are we going to look back and be like, why is that place like on this venue with like ropes and like it's so people might, maybe it will always stick as like, nostalgic and it's awesome maybe that will be
1: i mean there's definitely nothing wrong with playing a course that's wide open like that and i you know i think there are times where certain areas where they've put the ropes haven't been in the best places like sometimes it's kind of overkill but for the most part you know it's not a terrible course the holes are fun you know from the times that i've played it i know Some pros don't care for it at all. Some pros just want to play in the woods the whole time. But I think disc golf is going to get to a point to where we are playing more open courses and the fact that open courses are the most spectator friendly. And if we're trying to grow the sport, especially at the professional level when it comes to spectators live in person, then yeah, open courses are going to do a lot better than what we normally do. So could I see more courses and more tournaments slowly transitioning to that style? I mean, look at the Santa Cruz, the masters cup for years and years and years. They only played De La Vega, this golf course, and then now they added that golf course into it to where De La Vega is awful for spectators. It looks like now the golf course, everyone can go to it. It's wide open. So My, I don't know. There's, there's I just still hell a tradition out there that I feel like would be hard. To, why exactly? Like you said earlier, why would Innova want to do something different at this point? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I and some people think that I'm passionately like bothered by this. (laughs) I can throw on the antagonist play real quickly here. And that's not saying I don't, I don't see a good argument there because here's the deal. Um, DD spent. And I think the numbers were in, let's say close to $150,000 for CBS coverage. If I know that's an investment in commercial for their company, but like these companies, I feel like they could hire a designer and buy a piece of property. I'll say it again. And why doesn't somebody, you now Todd Rainwater, the owner of um, the Disc Golf Pro Tour, okay? A lot of money in that, that guy's pockets or wherever he stores it. <laughs> um, he could do it. And in fact, he did do it on Nantucket, the island where mm-hmm. all the millionaires and billionaires live. Um, he did invest and put a course in. I'm saying, why don't more people, the, the people who have the funds, put it in, design courses specifically for disc golf? Amazing. Venues. I'm not saying go do your typical venue. I'm saying do the whole um uh why am I having a brain freeze? The course designer. Uh John. Yes, thank you. John, John Alk. Alk. I'm sorry, John. Why don't you have someone like him? Did you ever go up and play Hillcrest up in PEI? Amazing venue. Grass fairways through the woods. Um it's just anyways, I- I'll get off of that. So here's here's where we're jumping, Nick.
2: <laughs>
0: we're just gonna wrap that up. People are saying there's violins playing in the background and all that. I, I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy the humor tonight, yeah. everybody. Um, so, okay, Disc Golf Pro Tour Championship thoughts. Kevin Jones. Eh, what Spoiler. Huh, spoiler Kev, oh my Kevin Jones and yeah. Haley Can't King take it down. Sports. We already knew Haley King took it down. Yeah. We, we brought her in tonight. We kind of spoiled that. So here were the final four. MPO, Jones, Dickerson, Heinberg, Hannum. Did you have these guys did you do the the grip six pick or whatever it was
1: i I didn't i wish i did but i didn't get to do it i i mean jones thickerson Heinberg. so three out of four i would have said yeah austin hennam was that dark horse who just played great and snuck right in there and it was super cool to see because he's a fellow discraft guy and he's also a super cool dude um so yeah that was cool seeing him on the final round
0: yeah. Real quick in interjection here. I saw a live comment says Nick and Matt should have uh, CK. I'm assuming he means Chuck Kennedy on the show. Go back and look at about episode, episode six. six or seven. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we did have him on the show. Go, So go check that out. Awesome show. Yeah. All right. So one of uh, our longer ones, too. One of our longer ones and in depth on the rating system. Mm-hmm. So I did not have those guys in my top pick. I did have Macbeth. I had Waisaki. I think I had Eagle. And Calvin. I might have had Dickerson in there. I don't remember, but it wasn't this top.
1: Dickerson, I would have put into it only in the sense that he's back to back champion for the event. So definitely, obviously, he knows how to play Hornet's Nest. And so that's a definitely safe pick. If I had done the thing, I would have, um, I would have picked Paul. Eagle, I probably wouldn't have picked for this tournament. Um, KJ has been kind of hit or miss this year at tournaments. I might have picked him though. Um, Heinberg, I probably, so I probably would have definitely picked Paul and Heinberg, And then my other two picks would have been two random people. Yeah.
0: Well, I I just thought this format was interesting. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about the format. But before we do that, let's talk about the FPO, the top four, final 4 were King, Pierce, Allen, and Fakus. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if we go to the MPO, we say Hannum was kind of like the uh, underdog the that made horse. it in, Dark yeah. Horse. And then Fakus, Lisa. more of the underdog, Dark Horse, mm-hmm. to make it in. I say so. And her last round really didn't shine. No, it didn't. And
1: she had said that on uh, Facebook over the last few days. I forget exactly what day she came out with it, but she came out with a post saying, you know, she was disappointed in the way she played. She really feels like Hornet's Nest can suit her game very well, Um, but she just couldn't put it together. So she was bummed out about it, but we all know she's a good player. That round definitely didn't reflect. Um, But what's kind of cool about, The format that that was is you're literally just playing against them. So if you're back seven strokes with nine holes to play or whatever, you know, you're kind of going balls to the wall at that point. And she might have done stuff that she normally wouldn't have done because she was in a cool position to where, okay, I'm, I'm pretty much at this point out of contention for the win. Now I can either, you know, do some really cool things or, you know, show myself that I can battle back. So she was in a weirdly kind of cool position. To potentially do those kind of things. But
0: it's a totally unique format. It doesn't happen anywhere else in our sport. And actually, we're going to talk a little bit about the format. Um, but I just wanted to point this out today. I was perusing social media like I do often. Um, and Ricky Wysocki made a post approximately three hours ago. Mm-hmm. And he said something. saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Something along the lines of um, the idea is, hey, I had the physical game ready, I had the mental game ready and then he says sometimes unexplainable things happen in sports like more or less me not making the final four mm-hmm. and i was laughing to myself nick cuz can you imagine being that good like you nick you're like unexplainable things happened and i didn't yeah. make the final four i'm yeah. going it would be unexplainable things if happened did if i did <laughs> if make I the did. final four i'm not yeah. that good so that's pretty yeah. funny to me that oh not funny but that's just where his mindset is at can you imagine nick literally being that good where in anything, majors or whatever, you're like, if I should I'm, be
1: on that every single yeah, time. Yeah, and it's unexplainable.
0: Yeah. It's unexplainable if
1: I'm yeah. not in the final four. It's got to be a pretty cool position, but at Crazy. the same time, it's got to be a pretty, you know, mentally demanding position to where you're at every single one of these tournaments every other week and you think to yourself that you should be on the lead card or you should be winning that tournament every single week. And so after three or four weeks in a row where you didn't win or you didn't make the lead card, now, how do you feel? Because you're off your game a little bit. Mentally, that's got to be a little bit crippling. So I kind of want to... Obviously, I want to go to a tournament and win that tournament. That's the reason I play disc golf. And that's the reason why I enjoy the sport so much. But, um, yeah. Uh,
0: so let's talk a little bit about some of the details of this. Uh, this... How it played out. Largest payout in history of disc golf. And what's interesting, Nick, is this is actually... I'm talking full purse, full purse payout, Nick. Um, like I think I want to say it was Ledstone or something else. I didn't look into this detail, but I saw the numbers and realistically it's like $130,000 payout. And they had the win of largest purse by like a hundred and like $20 like ever. Now that's purse. Obviously now we move on and we say largest individual payout ever. Was at the disc golf pro tour with twenty thousand dollars. We had talked to Jeff Spring mm-hmm. right before, and he told us he was going to try to.
1: Yeah, because originally it was at fi- what fifteen grand.
0: It was F- at fifteen thousand. It Was at
1: fifteen thousand, and then uh, yeah, he said he was like with a very high potential that it's going to be even more. Who was the final company? Was it Grip Six? That put in that final push or
0: Bushnell? Was it Bushnell? No, I don't know now who it was. Yeah, now I
1: kind of forget. Want to say <laughs> that's it was too bad. Six. I know, right? Now people are going to. It's either Grip Six knowing. or Bushnell, yeah, but I think it was one of them.
0: I, I think it's Grip Six. I'm going to say Grip yeah. Six. That's that's my final answer. Sure. Do I win a, a lunch? Okay, no. so here. Okay, so but that largest payout to this point. Uh, before oh, people this. are saying
1: Grip. So was oh. it just Grip
3: equipment? Oh, bags? Grip
0: Six. No. I don't know. It I'm getting all my, my I'm getting all my things wrong. Yeah. <laughs> grip six. Okay. Uh, I don't know.
1: <laughs> Anyways, twenty thousand dollar payout. The largest insane.
0: before that event was USDGC and a world's okay? two thousand nine. Okay, so they're about fifteen thousand dollar payout. Mm-hmm. To beat it by five thousand is pretty significant. The twenty thousand dollar mark. What does this large of a payout do for the sport, Nick? What do you think it does for the sport? I have my feelings, but you go ahead and give yours.
1: Um, I think it puts a very high expectation for next year's tournaments. Uh, I think tournament directors who are running these big national events need to do more in the sense of, and I I shouldn't, I'm not a tournament director, so I don't ever want to think that I don't appreciate, I don't want people to think that I don't appreciate what tournament directors do. But I think if the Pro Tour was able to do this, then other tournament directors should also be able to do this. Now, the way that the Pro Tour is set up though, is differently and the way their payouts are, I think the PDGA needs to change the payout structure. But that's a whole other topic, obviously, because we pay out, what, 40% of the players? I do think that that number should be less.
0: Well, now, this is a really interesting topic that I'm not actually prepared to talk about. I'm not prepared so maybe to talk I about shouldn't. it
1: fully right now, but, but I wish we would have more golf they were sanctioned. Payouts.
0: Were they sanctioned with the PDGA for this championship?
1: I, don't, I never looked at I ratings. looked
0: at the ratings they're there and it says elite series mm-hmm. my question would be did the disc golf pro tour actually meet the guidelines because each round paid out significant amount or was it not an actual sanctioned tournament but the PDGA wants it on their their list I don't the PDGA know PDGA
1: might put it on their list but I don't know maybe the ratings won't count in a future time. Once everything from they that do chart, show up in the rating, a, rating histories. You can like, see I it in it the up. rating history because like it's been like that for USCGC in the years that those ratings didn't count. You can still see what the player shot as a rating. Hmm. But they don't count. So so you have to look at the ratings detail.
0: As I mentioned, I'm not really prepared to talk about yeah. it. But that was an intro if I come up with that, I'll bring it up another point. But this large of a payout, it's gonna be on ESPN. That's kind of I'm kind of jumping ahead here a little bit before we do that, but it's gonna be on ESPN. Do, do you think it's like Better for the sport to show that, like, hey, there's a $20,000 prize for first, 10 for second. Like, does yeah. that – what does that do? I think
1: that sounds more appealing than saying, hey, yeah, the winner at this national tour event won $4,000. Like, <laughs> I, it's it's funny. I've told so many people, like, you know, I got a cousin who, you know, kind of laughs at me with my disc golf life and everything. But he does it in a joking way. Yeah, And he asked me, you know, what's one of these guys win at a tournament? You know, say Maple Hill. I always use that as kind of a reference. But the MVP Open – You know, top player won four or five grand to win the tournament, to win a pro tour event. They made four or five grand. So it was kind of like, I don't want to say laughable because it is good money. Don't get me wrong. It is good money. And if you are consistent, (laughs) I'll take it. If you, yeah, if you're consistent to where you can win that a couple of times a year, then yeah, that's, that's okay money for you. But at the same time, there are a pretty good amount of people that can work full time. Doing a different type of job, obviously disc golf's incredible. People would kill to be able to do that full time, but there are people who can make a better living, like say working construction or working, you know, at some sort of different job. So when you when you say now the winner to the pro tour finale won twenty thousand dollars, then yeah, that actually that can kind of turn heads. I would feel like.
0: I just watched, uh, again, I watch a lot of stuff on YouTube, and I know that's one of the largest platforms for viewing content uh, like this. Um, I was watching some, it was like, a, like I don't know the wording for it. It was some type of like cycle, cyclocross where these players were hitting jumps and doing tricks, and it was really cool. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was a live production, and I was trying to take in, because it seemed on a similar playing field to the production value of a disc golf tournament, And their top prizes were going to be $25,000 and whatever it was for second and third. But I was like, man, we're finally getting closer to where even bicycling, which is a huge sport. um, We're getting on the same playing field as that. And it actually seems respectable to where in the sport, if you say I can win $20,000, I think if we get to $25,000, that'll be huge. Um, But like, as you said, and I think this is really important to take away, Nick, other tournaments now are going to be dwarfed. like. Yeah, it's gonna be like, oh, come to my event, you can win three thousand dollars. Now, I'm not talking about the local B's and C's. Yeah, I'm talking about like national We're tours national or major tour.
1: touring touring events. Yeah, this is definitely not to the C tiers, the B tiers, and the A <laughs> tier tournament directors. A tiers, I think, should obviously have a special requirement. B tier, same thing. It's got to be, I think, at least seven hundred fifty dollars out of cash, but. We're not talking about C-tier and B-tier tournament directors at all in this conversation. If you do a lot for your tournaments, you know, wherever you go, that's incredible. And kudos to you. I'm glad you're doing that year after year. But for touring disc golf events, yeah. And what's going to be crazy is that I wouldn't be surprised if next year it's $25,000.
0: Right. But imagine the next major now that comes up. And they're like, "We're giving away eight thousand dollars. It's like you're a major, and all of a sudden the Disc golf Pro Tour just stepped the game up and making everybody else look bad. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> take a look at u s d g c for the last ten years. Their payouts have been pretty stagnant to where it's you know ten thousand this year, nine thousand this year, twelve thousand this year, eleven thousand this year. It's like how is it ever less than the next year? like usually tournament entries increase, you know we're and, that, and that's every tournament. Same thing with Worlds. I know Worlds changes courses, Worlds changes tournament directors and everything like that. But I feel like we're at a point where for a touring level event, you're obviously you're pretty much going to fill up your event. So there's no issue with getting the people there. It's how are you? How is the payout less than the year prior?
0: So, you know, I I want I agree. I want to give a shout out to this live comment because I think this is excellent point. Mark Murphy, live comments are bigger purses, drive people to practice harder and earn their keep as a player not a sponsored athlete. I want to take a second to let that soak in, because imagine this, Nick, if you could be good enough to go and play that event and win it. As Haley King just said, $20,000 changes her whole next year touring schedule plans. Mm -hmm. If you can go and win an event, uh, uh, granted, maybe the sponsorships are getting you there and you don't want to just throw them in the dust. But the point is, if the sport gets to this place where imagine there was a $20,000 prize or even a $10,000 prize every other week and you were competing at a high level, you could just go and you could could earn your living. Mm It's going to be a different sport. It's on its way. Thank you, Disc Golf Pro Tour.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I just believe huge that. Huge shout out to everyone on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Everyone and who makes that that.
0: People happen. wonder where the money comes from. I told you there's daddy big bucks or whatever you want to call them backing it. But but I the think,
1: staff is doing
0: insane. Yes. With the, when I say that, yeah. I, I don't mean to undermine.
1: I think Todd obviously fronted a huge portion of it. He bought it. Able, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he was able to put things in motion. That weren't in motion before, that was not in motion yes. before, but that also now it's self sustaining, yeah. But now you have Jeff Spring, you have all these different people who are just so gun ho to make this bigger and better. That uh, I honestly, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a $25,000 finish next year. And someone else, some other newcomer into the sport, might win that, and then yeah, their next year of touring has completely changed. You know, there are people where. You know, you could win $1,000 at an event and that saves your butt, you know, because that gives you another two or three weeks of touring. And then you go to that next event, you win another 500 bucks. Okay, now you got a week or two more of touring. That's how a lot of disc golfers are living right now to where cashing at events is the most important thing in their game right now. So to go to an event and potentially win 20000 10000 5000 or 3800 whatever it was, that's huge. You know, it's not huge compared to other sports. I understand that, but it's beyond huge in disc golf.
0: Yeah, and I'll just say it one more time before we move off of this payout topic is just imagine with me a disc golf world where, again, the payouts are significant. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, top 10 or whatever, getting significant. Let's say the 10th player gets like two grand or, or even five grand. Let's say eventually gets to that point. You know what it does? It makes the players who could win Compete as hard as they can Mm because they want that. Mm -hmm. And you know what else it does? It inspires those who are on the fringe going, I can go for this and win a big payout. And they're going to try harder. And you're going to bring the whole sport up with it. Yeah. All right. So um, we already talked a little bit about what the payout does for winners. Let's talk about um, what it came down to for the MPO on hole 17. If you, I don't know if you watched live or if you caught it, but like, I'm just gonna throw it out there. Spoiler: Chris Dickerson lined up his putt on 17. I don't remember if it was for, bogey for birdie or not, but for it, okay. But it was to, I think, to get a stroke. To
1: get, it was to gain a stroke, yeah.
0: Okay, and he misses, uh, probably 20 foot, maybe, maybe less, maybe air, a little more. It's right there, it. 20 feet. Yeah, yeah. literal. Yeah, Airball. Air ball, like nothing. wide right,
1: wide right. Like, it was kind of like, bro, what, what was that?
0: Well, Nick, have you ever tried to take a putt? For $10,000? No. Or 20 again, but we're saying the difference is $10,000? Yeah. Like, no.
1: Have I ever airballed a 20 footer when it didn't even matter though? <laughs> You're dang right I have. Am I gonna airball a 20 footer again in my life? You're damn right I am. I'd love to get but, Chris yeah.
0: on the show. Well, we've had him yeah. on the show, but not live. No, I, yeah. <laughs> so soon enough, he missed that putt and that was right after Kevin missed his putt. And I'm like, man, they both missed putts and then they both hit their comebackers. Mm-hmm. Going into the final hole. Dickerson steps up. And I'm just playing this out in dramatic form. Yeah. And he's thinking to himself, whoever gets the two here. Pretty much wins. Oh, wait. Oh, they man. Were I'm having brain freeze. They, they were, were tied. tied yeah. yeah they were tied. And he's like, I'm just going to put it there. But you know what the mistake is? It's exactly what he did. That corner that sticks out on hole eighteen. Yep. You're gonna try to go for it and you're gonna do it. You, you're gonna cook you it over. Turn
1: it over, or if you grip lock it just a little bit, then yeah, you are stuck in jail.
0: What kind of an advantage do you give Kevin Jones to be throwing second on that card being tied? Huge
1: advantage. See, it's so funny because like we do a lot of match play, and it's funny. There are times where I'm like, Oh yeah, I want that guy to go first, or yeah, I want to go first on this one. And for Kevin. The best possible outcome came to where you kind of want to be the one to set the tone and then you know let the person behind you make the mistake. But then the person in front of you now, he made the mistake. So Kevin's like, oh, I'm just going to take old trusty, that red D2, I think it is, throw it on a hyzer, let it flip up to flat, get as close as I can to the basket. doesn't matter if you're 50, 40, 30 short of it, because more than likely, if you get a three on it, you're going to a playoff more than likely. Because Chris might be able to get out. But now Chris has a chance for bogey. Kevin has the easiest part in the world. Kevin just has to throw one shot in the middle and bounds and then lay it up. And then he's got a three. So
0: I feel like it, it. you're right. You typically want to be the one to set the pace. Yeah. But in that situation, and maybe it's hindsight, but here's the thing. If Dickerson parked it, then Kevin knows what he has to do. Yeah. And if Dickerson doesn't park it, then Kevin knows I can either go safe here and just push it to a playoff mm-hmm. or I can go for it and that's his own call. I feel like the second place was an advantage in that situation.
1: Uh, yeah, I, you, I think you could argue the fact. And you know what I mean? <laughs> like with everything we do. But there are opportunities where, yeah, you want to be first. or you, There are opportunities where, yeah, you want to be second. But like I said, I think for Kevin teeing off second, the best possible outcome for him happened to where Chris Grip locked it into the woods. Now he's not doing it. So Kevin can be like, look, I've parked this hole every single time I've ever thrown it. So, yeah, I'm going to put it right under the basket and just end this. No problem. Or he can throw a good shot and still have an easy three to where more than likely it's going to win it.
0: Okay, two thoughts on that final hole, not with how it played out, but two thoughts. Did you happen to see uh, Philo's drive that hit the basket and rolled outside of the circle? on that dude it's unfortunate just like calvin's away. now granted it wasn't for like winning or moving on Philo wasn't having the greatest round but it was kind of like that redemption like okay i'll step up to hole 18 he throws it dude and it hits the elevated basket bottom like like not hard like it's a perfect drive perfect yeah comes in it hits it oh it's skipping it it it? kind of well yeah it must have been right at the same time and it does this reverse roll and it rolls literally out to like 35 or 40 feet oh no did he make the putt? You should see him slouch his shoulders so far and be like, he's shaking his head. Like, I can't believe that. <laughs> no. Like, that's just how the day's going. And That's then, such a bummer. Um, what else happened on that hole? Oh, so, like Calvin hits the huge putt there. Um, yep. Or how about Simon's vlog?
1: Simon's vlog was pretty sweet. The uh, spoiler splash out ace that he had.
0: Can you spoil vlogs sick. now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no so i just feel like you got to put spoilers so people can't get mad oh they can get mad at us nick
0: it's okay <laughs> um so he yeah so simon the point is that hole was pretty cool it seemed kind of easy but not to to it
1: yeah i think like it was easy o- to it get the over, three like, yeah it was over 40 feet yeah i'm getting the much...
0: three like every time nick probably because i'm not going if for the there's two.
1: not it be short then yeah i think like <laughs> you know i don't know i don't i don't really if know the whole yeah short. There, you was know, that a diss simon, at me? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, I, I think the hole was kind of uh, like, I don't like easy hole 18s, especially at top level events. Like I like, you know, do you
0: call that easy is the point, I guess. Well, I, I
1: mean, if I'd be curious to see what the, the hole two averaged, is not very high, but how often is the four, if you go OB long on that hole, there weren't I'm very sure many fours. That's what I mean. So it's yeah. probably pretty easy to par it. You have to do what Chris did. Shank it into the wist of the right, or early release it left. They, there
0: was OB long, yeah. like, uh, past the basket. Yeah. Which I, I know
1: some people did hit, and...
0: I do think that hole could get put a little bit... Yeah, I, could, I think it could be made a little bit better, for sure. Yeah. I do think they're trying to put that pressure on. We're going to make this tough to get the two, and hopefully mm-hmm. somebody has to go for it, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Cool. All right, what'd you think? Do you like that format in general?
1: I think the format's really cool. I think it's a cool change of pace... Um, do I think it's the best format to have a $20,000 prize purse on? Sorry, I'm not sure yet, but I do like the format. I think it's cool. The, oh, it's weird. I'd almost rather it where no one gets a buy. Like you have the 32 players and you, you play it like that. And then. After the first round, the top eight people. So now you got the sweet, or you got 16 people who make it, and then eight people, then four people. And then, you know, whoever wins out of the four at the end wins the whole thing. So I'd rather that to where there's no buys or anything like that. I think that would be a cooler format because then you have people like, you know, say Paul had won it this year. Paul would have had to start from the quarterfinals to make it, or excuse me, the, you know, 32 to the sweet 16 to the, you know, elite eight final four, and then win the tournament. So you're talking he would have had to play a perfect win um, weekend to win it. Same thing, Kevin So Jones. no buys. You're thinking yeah, I think,
0: everybody plays the same thing. Yeah. Is there an advantage for to how po- the Pro Tour you points have play to, out?
1: Yeah, so you, I think for money, like like the National Tour does it, where Ooh, the top 10 people of the National Tour get, you know, let's say 5,000, 4,000, 3,000, 2,000, 1,000, on and on and on and on. Um, I think that that would be kind of cool to wear the Pro Tour points that you accumulate throughout the year. They
0: did do that award ceremony that did do something for Pro yeah. Tour points.
1: Yeah, I think that would be kind of cool. But um, at the same time, let's just take the top 32 people so that they all compete against each other. I don't know. I think there are cool ways you can do it. I do think the way the Pro Tour did it was a pretty cool way, but I think there are potentially ways to make it better. Because if Kevin made it off of a buy strictly like straight into the semifinals. He could have played one bad round, but still advanced to the next round. Now he's in the finals and then he plays one great round. So it's kind of like you're not reward. You reward him for playing great all season to where you made it to the semifinal or you get a buy to go right into the semifinals. You played okay. The first round and now you played great. The second round, you won $20,000. Hoorah! But at the same time, you know, I'd rather see someone have to play four or five rounds and win twenty thousand dollars. So
0: there's always been complaints, if you will, I call them complaints. That might be harsh, but complaints about how the, the championship played out. But I think I actually enjoyed previous years when Steve Dodge ran it to where it was like you actually played against your card. Everybody there was I like
1: that too. And yeah, like I really you win that.
0: you win your card and you move up. You win mm-hmm. your card. And um and then there was um some wild cards. So, like, if by chance uh, someone on your card also shot extremely hot and technically beat out every other card, mm-hmm. they could still make it in because there's yeah. a wild card. I
1: remember Peter McBride back in 2016 shot, like, a 14 down at Fox Run or 15 down, and was the dark horse. He made it, you know, into the next round because he shot the hot round.
0: So I like that. I don't know. There's probably downsides to it. But as a spectator, I actually enjoyed that, like, the fact is, like, if they had camera coverage, they could jump over to this card and you're like, this is the battle on this card
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this is the battle yep. on this card. It was it was fun to watch, but I felt like it was a little, I, I don't know, some of the rounds to me and maybe I'm just like thinking out loud here, seemed a little boring like in the early rounds. It was just kind of like, eh, mm-hmm. like who's probably going to win this? It, I guess it was cool to see someone light it up.
1: I think for an event like this, you can't just have live coverage for one card because if you only have three cards going out, like say there's, they moved around a little. They moved around a little bit, but I'd rather almost have, you know, live coverage of all three cards because <laughs> there's only a couple cards going out. Say two, 220, 242. Yes. So, you know, three I o'clock actually May. thought so maybe, that today. Maybe there's four cards going out. I think it was four. There's four cards going out. You know, why not have, I, I don't know. Obviously, they can't do it with the manpower that they have right now. I get that. I'm just saying that. I, I but, think it would be cool to be able to say, you know, well, this card, everyone's had two or three down through nine holes, but hey, this card, you got two guys at six down. They're probably going to make it to the next round. Jump over to them and stay on them for a little while.
0: Well, and someone just made the comment perfect here. Thank you, David uh, Muckerhide, or however you say your name. I do like that idea. Is like what we just saw in the final round is ultimately what we're talking about for every card, like to make their way there. Like we loved seeing the battle, knowing that every shot mattered for that person to move on or win. Um, Anyways, that used to be the way. I think it'd be cool. Match play event would be very cool. I think we need to see some more different style events than the same old, same old, same old. I think you need the same old, but I think adding in a variation of events like this Disc Golf Pro Tour did, awesome job to them. Congratulations, uh, moving the sport forward. Okay, so ESPN coverage, it's coming out in about four weeks from today, actually. I believe it's like November 21st or 22nd. Oh, Be yeah. on the lookout for that. Nick, this is not ESPN, the Ocho. <laughs> this is ESPN2, the actually, actual,
1: yeah.
0: actual ESPN. Like, that's a big deal. Uh, I feel like I'm stupid to ask this, but like we're talking like actual cable TV, not online streaming like ESPN2. Mm-hmm. And they're going to do equitable coverage. That means the women are going to get the same amount of time as the men. Both final rounds will play out, interviews, stories. Yep. Um, uh, Mahmood, the Mahmoud. guy who used yeah. to work at ESPN, yep. come to disc golf. He's from Connecticut up near where we are, mm-hmm. works for the disc golf pro tour, had that connection, got it going. And now guess what? You read enough about this and and Jeff even mentioned it. We did not pay for this. Like, yeah, the payouts and all that, but like, we did not pay to get on ESPN. Yeah. Like had to happen with CBS. Mm hmm. Just real quick what what do you think the DD guys are like saying to themselves when this happened they're like are you kidding me but
1: at the same time DD sparked up something that's never been done in Disc Golf before so I don't think they can really kind of like hang their head on that
0: but, no. and uh, they're yeah. Like, they're yeah. like, couldn't have this flip-flop the other yeah, way. Yeah, no kidding. Oh. <laughs> but no, well, you're right. It inspired it. In fact, yeah. oh. CBS was in negotiations again to saying, try to get Hey, we like that. You guys want to pay to have more on our show? Yeah, exactly. And, and they're like, eh, not really. And then ESPN came in and said, We'll actually, we'll put you on the Ocho. And my understanding is Jeff Spring, uh, or the Disc Golf Pro Tour, I should say, said. Mm, no, we don't want the Ocho. We think we're ready for uh, ESPN, the the real deal. And um, so that is how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, we're going to get to that super chat in just a second here. I just wanted to wrap that up. It's going to be a two hour segment on ESPN. And I did not hear any outrage, Nick. Zero outrage over this being on TV. You know, that just tells me the CBS coverage where that outrage came from earlier. And we said this in our first show. Yeah. It came from the fact that people were being restricted from watching it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, people, we're happy. I think you're happy, yeah. ESPN. So
1: It's going to keep getting better. Give better, a shout-out
0: to our Super Chat there.
1: Nate Jones, thank you for the $5. We really appreciate it. Um, tell me why you would rather have a tour finale that is a different format than what we see all year. I don't think it represents the sport very well. Um, see, I like your conversation. I like where that's heading. But at the same time, I think to have a different style tournament is kind of cool. Like in golf, they do—is it the uh, the Presidents Cup where you have the foreign team versus Team USA? It's kind of a different type of major that happens throughout the year. You know, doubles, match play, and everything like that. It's just kind of a change of pace. And so, yeah, maybe it doesn't represent how we play disc golf to the fullest extent. I understand that. But I do think the format's kind of cool where you're rewarding the best players on the tour and you're putting them into a championship style bracket to where they still need to play a good round of disc golf in order to advance. So I don't I don't really think there's anything wrong when it comes to that sense. But um
0: Why, why, yeah. Nate, if you if you're still there and we're gonna talk about it anyways, but why do you think it doesn't represent the sport well to have a different finale? And here's the other thing. Let's be clear: the disc golf pro tour is a private entity Mm
2: -hmm.
0: private i know we're saying tour finale and we're saying like this is the sports tour finale but it's not the sports tour finale now is the disc golf pro tour a big part of the scene right now for sure and i think they're pushing the sport to the next level and so i don't want to get too hung up on that point but the point is it is a private entity um they definitely well yeah, I don't know the format of how players are knocked out. Let's say like March Madness or something that's different than all year. You don't usually lose one and you're out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sports do change when you yeah. get to quote like unquote that. playoffs. Yep. Right. Playoffs are this different.
1: Is, yeah. This is almost in the sense of playoffs. Yeah. In the NFL, you play one game, you lose it. You're out in the NBA. You play a best of seven series. So yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah. I think you put that pretty well. It's almost like a playoff setting. <laughs> It's just different of the year. You yeah. play
0: your round and maybe you make it on and maybe you don't. Yeah. It's, well, it Nate, it's right? exciting. Yeah, it was neat. I don't see any comments there. Some people are talking about it. We're getting really close to the end here, Nick. And surprisingly, we haven't hit the long portion of our show. Yeah, yet. But well, here...
1: I'm, I'm going to New York tomorrow. So
0: <laughs> and I've got work.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, by the way. So see behind me here. I'll pull it up on screen if you're watching. I have a dude clothing banner hanging on its side right behind me. And I do virtual training, Nick, for this company at safety. I'm in safety and I'm teaching or training orientation for uh, construction, line utility workers. and by chance, we had a group of Australians get on, I say by chance. They were invited into this orientation I was doing, uh, Australians, and it was like three in the morning for them, and it was like two in the afternoon for me or one in the afternoon and I was like, hey, look at this. This is from Australia, down under Disc Golf Evolution, dude clothing. And uh, it was pretty funny to hear all their accents talking about Disc Golf. Hey, Disc nice. Golf, I don't know how they do their accents, but
1: yeah. Oh, well, it's pretty sweet, though. <laughs> Grill
0: some shrimp on the Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. I love how that's everyone's like, low key thing to say about Australians <laughs> is
1: put shrimp on the Barbie. It's Crikey. Like, yeah, exactly. I've, uh, yeah. They're... You if know I, what they if said? I think of Australia, I think of Steve Irwin. Uh, always.
0: Um. They had, I don't know, they had, I'm not getting into their slang right now, (laughs) but uh, players that deserve to be in the conversation for player of the year. We don't need to make this into a huge topic because it's not our decision, but I think because we're at the end of the year, Nick, the end of the disc golf season, it's worth talking about who would be your like top four and maybe like honorable mention. Like you think they played as the best, the top four, and then maybe say, here's who I think number one is.
1: Hmm player of the year
0: so just go ahead and give us like top four no no specific order just like top four say some names okay
1: we'll say chris dickerson calvin heimberg paul mcbeth eagle McMahon. okay i'll say those four
0: okay and do you have your who you it's weird because
1: i think like the number five would easily be kevin jones Mm. so i think i could potentially take out chris for kevin but chris just won a major so it's kind of hard
0: yeah, what do we call that? It's Paul kinda, was on our show. What's that yeah. called? Recency by... <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's I know, like right? He just won, so yeah. now he's the best.
1: But Chris also had multiple like great finishes throughout the year, averaged pretty well at Pro Tour events and everything like that. Like um, Same thing with Calvin. Calvin had great events. Eagle had multiple Pro Tour wins. Paul had multiple Pro Tour wins, but neither Paul or Eagle came out with a big win, but then Calvin didn't either than Chris Dickerson did. So it's kind of like you have to average everyone out to where I almost I almost <laughs> can't because I don't know the stats well enough. I took a but look at some really, stats. It's a really close year. I do want to say, though, I'm pretty sure Paul averaged the best at Pro Tour events. So if you're going to look at statistically, like his average throughout every single Pro Tour event, statistically, I'm pretty sure Paul wins it.
0: Yeah, so if you want to look at the stats, uh, our friends over at Ulti World wrote up some nice things. And so you can see Elite Series is our Disc Golf Pro Tour, and Paul has two wins. Calvin Heinberg has two wins. Eagle has two wins. Kevin Jones has two wins. The other players that have a win, Chris Dickerson, Ricky, and Nico. Okay, so that's that. Mm -hmm. But then they start averaging out your top finishes. Paul has top seven top three finishes. That's better than anybody else. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, Calvin being the second best with six top three finishes. Then you have top five uh, finishes. Paul has 10 top five or better, okay? Um, And then that's beating everybody there besides Ricky, who has eight. Uh, Paul has 11 top 10. I I said top five, I meant top 10 or or whatever. Back and forth. The point is here, his average finish, Paul's average finish at Elite Series was three and a half. Mm -hmm. That is better than anybody else. Um, at USDGC, he finished fifth. And that's kind of like, can we just say, when you finish fifth at a major, that should not be like, oh, Paul didn't play that good.
1: Yeah, no kidding, Like right? That's but incredible. For people to say, like, Paul finished fifth at USDGC, oh, he's done, he's washed up. But,
0: but this, That's just how people think of Paul. But this is exactly worth yeah. talking about because I think that Paul is the player of the year.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree with that, too.
0: There's, I don't think there's any, ar- there's only- arguments to be made that like some players had amazing pushes
3: mm-hmm.
0: and like, not like rookie of the year stuff, but like, okay. wow, you're really impressive, but results standings. Yep. I think Paul Macbeth wins it. And for people to say, well, it's not as good as 2015 or whatever it was, right? What was his, be- what was his really good? 2015. Year? Yeah. Yeah. You can't compare it to other, you can't yeah, compare this, him to him. This,
1: this year you cannot compare it to any other year. And yeah, like you said, you can't compare him to him.
0: Like, if you played better than everybody else and stats show it, then that's what it is. Last
1: year, he was the player of the year. This year, I think he should be deserving of the player of the year. But I will say... There was only one major.
0: I will say, in my head, if I had thought about it, though, without seeing the stats, I would have put Calvin and Kevin Jones and Dickerson in that same conversation. Yeah, Eagle, obviously, is close. All these players are good, but we're talking player of the year. I probably... It would have been, man. See, that is tough. I don't know. I think it has to go to Paul. Kevin Jones yeah, would have been Kevin, close. Kevin,
1: Kevin, I have the recency bias towards because That's of what it is that because of the DGPT finish. Like you know, twenty fifth at USCGC average finish was a thirteen point four. Man, you know, he only had Chris Dickerson. two top threes, yeah. but he did have two wins. So, do, are they counting the harmony bends?
0: I don't when? think so. I don't think so. So. I think Chris Dickerson would have been the only one that was an actual contender against Paul. Now, why aren't we talking about the FPO? You know why? Because there's no... (laughs) I don't want to say there's no debate there, but, like, player of the year is pretty obvious. Paige Pierce. I'm just (laughs) kidding. It's pretty obvious. Like, she destroyed the field majority of the time. Yeah. Um,
1: Jeff, my caddy, is not coming tomorrow. Sorry. He said no.
0: Yeah, Jeff. Just quick. Just quick. And and Jeff actually read my mind and commented before I even said it. Page Pierce is player of the year for sure. Um, Changed my mind. Yeah. But just like we were saying with the MPO, who who would have been close to that? Who would have been there? I mean, Kat, Sarah, or Haley. Those three would have been in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Which think, sounds obvious. I think for
1: kind of, you know, I think Haley. Would have been the second best. I think Haley was the second best FBO player this year. Recency bias? Or just... No, I've <laughs> kind of like felt that, you know, since I met her kind of officially last year and just seeing her growth in disc golf in general, I do think, like she said, she lost how many tournaments on hole 16 this year to where it was kind of like, okay, she makes up a couple little mistakes and now she is winning those tournaments. So I do think Haley is the second Good best point. player.
0: Good point. Just GMC personal. and all those yeah. other things.
1: Yeah. GMC Ledgestone, she play great at Ledgestone.
0: Nick, you got to stop making friends with all these pros because now you're like, I got to pick Paul. I got to pick Haley. I gotta- <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've told Paul, it's like, look, if you're ever not in my like conversation of best player, like I'll say it. But at the same time, it, like if there's someone who I'm gonna confidently bet on to win a tournament, unless Paul breaks his back, I'm gonna bet on Paul. You know.
0: So moving along, this is our yeah. transition. Did you watch Simon's vlog on the Putters ranked? Like no, I, I haven't rank. watched
1: that one yet, but I did <laughs> I did hear about it. And I think the funniest thing about it was because uh, Eagle proclaimed himself of being the best putter in the world <laughs> and then I proceeded to watch him four putt uh, on a hole at the DGPT. Did he finale. make a comment then, on that? Yeah, and he said he was like that's, you know, pretty much my fault for saying, that proclaiming that I'm the best putter in the world. Or, this is what you get for proclaiming you're the best putter in the world. And honestly, that had me
0: yes. dying. Yes, it is totally funny. Oh. I'm trying to see if I can find it here. If, if what he said, um, uh, I don't want to waste everybody's time. Yeah, here. This is what you it. get when
1: you say you're the best putter in the world. Jokes yeah. aside, this reminds me of 2018 Winter Time open on the mound hole where I went from birdie to a six to completely completely ruined my chances at winning. I learned from it, practice and got better. Observe your failures and learn from them. <laughs> Even now I'm, just, I'm watching the video at the same time. And like, <laughs>
0: so it was funny. You got to go watch that vlog because he's, like, he's like, he's like, yeah. he's like, if I, if I, can I say it? Can I say it? He's like, I pick me. I yeah. pick me. <laughs> and like, that's cool. I think the confidence level was awesome out of him. Um, But that is an interesting question. If you watch it out and we're giving a shout out to Simon. Simon, we love you. We'll have you on the show here in another eight episodes. Yeah. Or whenever you want Maybe to come sooner. in. Yeah. But like, um, the, he rated them and they're like, where do you put Paul? Where do you put Paul? Is he the best putter in the world this year? Who, and then who's better than him? Well,
1: wasn't that kind of their argument? Was this year it's <laughs> yes, not that was Eagles. Yes,
0: that was Eagles. But here's, yeah. but here's Simon's take. You ready? Who would, and you said this. This is what reminded me of it. Who would you bet your life on if you had to say, okay, I'm betting my life on this. Is it, who's going to take the putt for me? A 40 foot putt.
1: Right now, Haley King. I'm just kidding, Paul McBeth, yeah.
0: <laughs> Paul's clutch, and so they yeah. ended up making an own... Go watch 24... yeah, go... go go watch
1: 2014 Worlds in the playoff. Just watch the countless clutch putts that he But hits. even
0: this year, cl... yeah. like, I just feel like yeah. put him in Hole a clutch situation. A Bro, you're playing yeah. for my life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That'd be a pretty scary moment. Bro, if moment. you miss this, I die. That'd be a pretty yeah. scary moment. All right, finally, wrapping it up. Final topic, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but we do think... It's fun to talk about Eagle Eagle McMahon again, Eagle. I was going to invite you on the show tonight just because we had so much, to talk but about. then I had seen him say like, I'm taking a break from social media and I didn't want to, he, he probably would have came Good on. for him, but circle one, here's what he wrote in one of his recent posts, circle one, the 10 meter circle ceases to exist as in this is his idea. That means circle one is stretched out to circle two's distance. So no more jump putting within 20 meters. This would piss a lot of people off, but could bring long-term positives. I think that it could make foot-fault calls easier. Plus, some people will say that this is pointless, but it would lower circle one putting percentages. Yes, I don't care about that. Percentages don't really matter, in my opinion. Look at circle two, then. But anyways, so hypothetically, if someone was putting 75% in circle one in the fantasy 20-meter circle, he's saying that person could be more easily recognized as the best putter since the margins would be greater. <clears throat> but my point is then, then take circle two as your stance. If that's what you care about mm-hmm. the percentages, but he goes, let me know what you think. Don't take anything too seriously. I just wanted to start some discussions on some new ideas since the sport is growing so fast at the moment and getting on major networks. I think it's time to embrace change sooner than later before the old way gets too, too grandfathered. grandfathered. In. Yeah. Too grandfathered. And yeah. so, let me give you my take on this, Nick. My response, and then I want yours, is if you had no circle one, but circle one was technically what circle two is yeah. now. Okay, so just move it back. Yeah. I think that's actually an incredible idea because it doesn't change the sport per se. Everyone goes to make smaller baskets, bullseye baskets, make it harder to putt. I think making it harder to putt would say make circle one, circle two. You have to stand still, demonstrate balance, as they say. Mm-hmm. No jump putting. Um, it makes it too easy to do a little jump layup. You know what I mean? When you're out, that's like way too easy to actually yeah. have to do a throw or a putt would make it a little bit harder. I think, um, it would really, it would let the better players shine, um, hitting the bigger putts. It'd be a greater show. Uh, I actually like that idea. And I would say, I don't think it's going to happen because we can just stop looking at circle one stats. But as far as the rule changing, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see the PDGA changing the rule. It would take some serious, yeah. like, it would committee. take some serious
1: convincing to actually get that to happen. But see, I like the rule to where,
0: yeah, you would make
1: circle one, circle two. So now your circle one is anything 60 feet, let's say 66 feet and in. But the biggest thing that I'm seeing about this, and I've seen it a lot, is people saying, oh, well, wouldn't it be harder? You know, I'm just kind of reading off one of the comments. Wouldn't it be hard when asking, am I outside the circle? If this, Or wouldn't it be harder when asking, am I outside the circle if the circle is 60 feet? And I want to say no, because we had to learn it for 30 feet. Yeah. And yeah, obviously that is a closer distance, but another 30 feet to that, it's kind of, you're, you just get used to it to a point where you're like, yeah, no, that's definitely inside circle one. So
0: someone does bring up, how are they going to make a perfect twenty meter circle? Too many trees, bushes near every basket. I'll say this: it would make the quote unquote putting area larger. But here's here why I don't think you would have to make it a perfect putting green inside of twenty. It's just saying inside of twenty meters, you now have to demonstrate balance. Still keep your ten meter quote unquote circle yeah. clear. I like that, keep Russell it clear. Said, yeah. So the closer you get to the basket, the easier your putt is for sure. Mm-hmm the 20 meter circle, we're just talking about being a rule for a stance. They can do the same way they do now where they do the little paint lines or whatever, like yeah.
1: paint lines, I, flags, little, you know,
0: I don't see know. the logistics of creating this 20 meter circle being the problem. I yeah. do, I, I do appreciate all the input here that people are giving. Um, I, I love your feedback here. I'm not right. I'm just sharing my opinion. <laughs> and I share, I well, share very
1: strongly. <laughs> Doc, Doc just said this push. No, would love it. And it's so funny because I've, been joking around with a bunch of friends and uh i was like has anyone ever just bushnelled a putt like if someone says hey man am i outside the circle just walk over to him and be like here check it out bushnell it and just like hit the top of the band like you would know exactly if you're inside or outside the circle so when i get my bushnell that's probably i'm jokingly gonna do that to people in casual rounds am i outside oh yeah let me check that out for you real quick
0: well, Bushnell, by the way, very cool that they came in the end of the season or yeah. and closer to the end of the season like this. And they yeah. seem to have gotten in just like grip six did. And now they are kind of like it seems like Good all time. in.
1: Yeah. And it.
0: they've changed their rangefinders to be foot instead of yards or meters or whatever mm-hmm. they were doing. And uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We're glad to have anybody come into the sport. So I will say, Nick, we talked about a significant amount of stuff of topics today, but we were gone for
1: two weeks. So we had to make it up. So this should have been a four-hour episode, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah we're no, actually we're actually a little <laughs>
0: below average of what we normally yeah. do, which is crazy. <laughs> we um, could have ended this an hour ago too. That's <laughs> Nick and I are going to have conversations off-air about how the show is going to proceed now that the off-season is here. Um, in fact, we have not officially had this conversation, so we're not prepared to tell you, but I do foresee, Nick, correct me if you think differently. The show's ending for the winner, guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There will be be interviews of players, whether they are national touring level or significant interesting story local or regional. Mm -hmm. We will do that. Uh, We will, it's a matter of frequency. There are shows, there are podcasts who do breaks, seasons, if you will, and maybe we're gonna do seasons, and we'll start up uh, season number two at X date, yeah. or maybe we do a time off. Nick's gonna go train with Paul Macbeth, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's the plan. <laughs> I'm nothing, just throwing it nothing out. Nothing set in
1: stone yet, but yeah, Paul,
0: Paul yeah. if you're listening, he's been crying on the inside. Just not yeah. Kidding. It's but just, it's, but, the is, yeah, but the point is, yeah. But the point is, you're gonna be making trips. Um, mm-hmm. the holidays are coming through. Yeah, it's going to be. We want to keep this frequency for our fans. We do, but at the same time, we're going to change it. We're yeah. going to make it something you look forward to when we come back for season two. But I, So my point is, we're not going away, but the frequency will change. We're going to decide what a little that bit. looks like. Yeah.
1: yeah. It, we don't know yet. We are Honestly, we're not even sure. We The show is
0: going to continue. <laughs> next week? No, yeah. next week. It's yeah. like not here. They're exactly. like crickets. Where are they? Yeah.
1: No, uh, and we'll obviously, if there is a time where like last week where we need to cancel for that week we will let everyone know we're you know totally fine with that so Jeff we are going to cover TC a little bit kind of like brief subjects on it but um
0: what are you up to the rest of the week uh well we have Friday which is work day for me unfortunately Mm -hmm. but then Saturday and Sunday I'm gonna get in some disc golf I think uh Kent Kent Chapman here he's in the room and uh I say in the room he's in the chat room yeah he's in the room that is who I'm getting in a tee time with at Maple Hill. I'll have to report back on that. Nice. I'll have to say how one of our uh, disc golf loyal fans is out on the course. Yeah. He's a cool guy. I, I, have,
1: I have my final tournament of the year at Heiser Creek Disc Golf Park, and I'm super excited for it. Up in New York, I'm going to go see Jeff. And then actually someone had commented very early in the show saying that they are the card that's seeing off before me. So hopefully I'll be able to see you. I know
0: he's going to come get his free lunch.
1: Yeah, that's probably why he's coming up. He's going to be like, dude, by the way, you owe me lunch. I'm going to be like, crap. Someone's <laughs> actually going to take me up on that offer. But no, I'm I'm super excited. Um, Wood- I, play, I played Heiser Creek years ago. I think five years ago when I was living in upstate New York. I went down and played it once. And from what I remember, it was a very, very fun, very wooded with a couple open holes. Um, I'm super excited for it.
0: Okay, so I'm going to assume that if you've made it to this part in the show, Nick, we should always wait till the end to like give away like a hundred dollar bill or something, so people just hold hold on. I want the
1: hundred bucks,
0: (laughs) paying for lunch. But no, and we're not giving away money. But like, if you've made it to this part in the show, I'm interested in your opinion. And if you've watched this far post live, that's cool too. I want your opinion. Um, Would you be interested in a production of Nick and me on the course, giving you extra content? Um, possibly Patreon. So like, if you want to support us, we will give you extra content to help fill your hours and days with, mm-hmm. uh, disc golf content. Would you be interested in that comment and let us know it is you know, something we're considering. I might even play piano for you guys. Who knows?
1: If we set up that Patreon might play piano for them
2: <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> I, yeah. I think, no. I, I think it'd be sick to do a mic'd up round. You and me, just a fun one. Someone just said, you know, mic'd up. I think that'd be really fun.
0: I've never done it. And we are at some point, when when Simon heals up enough, Mm -hmm. we are planning to do that. uh, Me, you, him, Maple Hill, how many throws to get from hole one to hole 11's basket.
1: And then hole 11 back to 18. So,
0: I mean, if we do, would people be interested in that? We're talking, like, probably Patreon we're trying to look at ways to upgrade our microphones. I'm pretty like picky and I'm listening to our sound I'm going, yeah. man, we could sound so much better. If we, we yeah. better cameras, all mm-hmm. that stuff. We'd love to upgrade it. We'd try to continue to bring a good product to you. Um, but that was just tossing it out there. All right, Nick, now we're rambling on. You ready to close out the show?
1: Yeah. Everyone, please hit the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel. There's still a $20 gift card up for grabs if you leave an iTunes review on the podcast. Take a screenshot it, send it to the Nick and Matt show. Um, Like I said, like, subscribe, tell someone you love them this week. Jeff, I'll see you tomorrow up in New York. Matt, I'll see you soon.
0: You're awesome, Nick. Catch you guys next week. Peace out. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Nick and Matt show. Be sure to check us out on your favorite
2: social platform and subscribe on iTunes.